Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities. Now our shortcomings and transgressions, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brother and sisters in Christ, that, Lord, we get to partake in your word and uplift your name. And I'm asking, Lord, that your gifts will flow through anyone here, Lord, everyone presenting, everyone that has something. I'm asking that we all be spiritually fed by it, Lord, because you meant for your people to be participants and not spectators. I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, Lord, jealousy, hatred, malice, all things that are against your spirit, Lord, let them be moved out of the way and let the Holy Ghost be here, Lord, and fall on your people mightily. I'm asking, Lord, that you continue to give us your grace and mercy, Lord, and spare us your judgment. I'm asking that you guide us, Lord, to walk in your ways that we may be perfected in you. For holiness is not an option, Lord. It's a requirement. And I'm asking, Lord, that we do all that you have called us to do, that we may be seen as good and faithful servants. Um, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are almighty God. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, tonight's study is going to be called Offering Strange Fire. You know, I was um, like on this for months, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to present it. Key things that plagued the church and caused the, you know, the church trouble and all. So before we get into that, though, we are going to have, um, I don't know which one of you is going first, but... You know, you guys are going to present, and then I'll get right into it. But it's offering strange fire. So we broke them up in the categories, you know. So, all right. So I guess whoever's up will be up. I'll go first. All right, Christina first, and then. something that I have been trying to work out in my life and understand for a while um, since I've really been investing my life um, to follow Christ and that is how I can be a vessel and servant of the Lord um, how he can use me to help win the souls of other people to Christ um, as I've been um, getting more um, understanding of the word and coming and learning more and growing, I see such a need for just humanity that needs to be saved. And I have such a big heart and I want to see them, um, you know, find Jesus. But I've also, through that, um, my big heart and love for people, I've realized 
I've had to come to the realization that I can't waste my investments in everyone. Um, what that means is sometimes I, I've noticed I've invested a lot of time into people that I have personal ties to and connections to because I care about them so much. Um, I don't want to see them not make it into the kingdom of God. And a lot of them are believers or I kind of want to say like dormant believers, like they believe, but they're not. They're choosing to disobey um, the word of Christ. And they're, I'm realizing I cannot be the one to force them into the word. They have to be willing on their own. Um, so looking into this a little bit more, um, things that have helped me with this, understand this, and truly let God guide me into the direction of finding people who he wants to save is really um, I have to pray. Like God knows the work I want to do for him, and I just have to keep praying about that and let him lead me and let myself get out of my carnal mind, stop thinking who do I want to save, and think who is God trying to bring to me to help save and bring the word to. Um, so first I want to, I'm just going to read out loud, Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, so for this, this is my first step of realization that on how to win souls for Christ is no matter what you're doing um, in this world, we are in this world of this world, but we're not like of the world. Of the world. Yeah, yeah, we're in this world. We're not of the world. Mm -hmm. So when you're at work, when you're living your daily life, you're with friends, what you should always be doing is trying to bring up God in Christ or how he's worked in your life, talking about testimony, um, whatever the Lord, you know, invite the Lord into your day every day and ask how can I, um, how can I be a servant to you today and what I'm doing? And I've been doing this a lot by stepping up and talking about uh, scriptures and volleyball and in my teachings about life to the youth. Um, I've done this a little bit um, at work with my coworkers and anytime they're telling me about their problems, I try to bring it to a biblical sense and talk about Christ. Um, I've done this on Facebook. Um, I've got a little bit of flashback, a lot of flashback doing it on Facebook. Um, but at the same time, there's tons of people that are against you that are of this world. But it's also brought few people who actually wanted to talk about it and are looking for people who um, are spiritually minded and are trying to seek the Lord. And that's what I'm realizing now is I'll, I'll get people randomly that I am working with asking, hey, let's meet up. I really want to talk about God and going through these things in my life. And that's how God is going to use me is, you know, as long as I'm talking about it and people are aware, then they will come to me. You know, I don't always have to force every person, you know, to do it. Um, so next, the second part that helped me, scripture is, and I'll read it out loud, is Matthew 22:14. For many are called... But few are chosen. This is kind of a dreadful and sad truth of the gospel. Um, often people are offered the truth and given scriptures, but people either openly reject it or secretly disobey it. Um, few are chosen to uh, to partake in the blessings of serving the Lord because few actually receive the word, believe it, and are obedient to the word. So. That's huge to me, and it's kind of sad that, I mean, a lot of people have been, you know, introduced to knowledge about um, the Bible, or know a lot about the Bible, but few are chosen because few actually choose to invest and believe with their heart, 
and God sees your heart, and that's who Christ chooses, is if you are actually going to obey it and fully receive it and believe. So going off that, that led me to, and I'll have you guys all go to this, John 15, 16. John 15, 16 through 17. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And this is Jesus speaking. And ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, ye may give it, give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. So you can't bear fruit without being chosen, one of God's people, into his kingdom. And also we know that like, you can't really bear fruit without when you're sinning, too, because that um, that's not bringing nutrients into your life to be able to grow. And then also you can't be a God's servant, so God won't choose you if you're of the world. So if you're choosing to not receive the, world, the word and you're of the world... Because if you were God's servant and you're of the world and you're taking on to all the sins and things in the world that are pleasurable, then you would be trying to fight God's um, battles through actually violence and rage and things that are not godly. So that kind of stuck out to me there. Um, so this is just kind of go into God chooses, you know, who is actually going to fully receive it. And we don't have control of that. So we got to let that go and be servants of giving the word to people and being there when they want to hear it and always making it a part of our life no matter what but we can't and not being offended when people reject it because it says if you are actually chosen there's going to be a lot more people who reject it than are going to receive it and you have to go into that mindset when you are trying to bring people to Christ that most likely you're going to get rejected but you keep going forward and you keep preaching and praying for those people who are rejecting it don't give up on them and that leads me to my next um, verse I wanted to just read out loud real quickly. I only have two more. Um, is Matthew uh, 5, 4, 4. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So... Um, this kind of went back to the people that you can't save who are unwilling to be obedient or um, do the things to be chosen for God, even though they are called. Um, they might hate you, and they are your enemies still, because if they're not with you, they're against you. Um, yeah, they're against God. Yeah, they're against God. Um, whether they're good people or not, they're not believers, they're not chosen, they're against you. So even though that doesn't mean you give up on um, loving them and praying for them and anytime people reject the word when you do give it to them because we know they will um, when you are preaching and proclaiming the word of God that you just pray for them and let give the Lord the control don't have try to have control yourself don't argue with them don't um, debate with them <laughs> just give it to the Lord and say a prayer 
And then the last thing I wanted to end on is 1 Corinthians 9.19. For though I... Um, for Though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. So that saying is serving all men. So whether they're with Christ or not with Christ, of this world, carnal-minded or spiritual-minded, you serve all men and you, just like how Jesus Christ served everyone, and you show by example what it's like to be a servant of the Lord. And then hope that by doing those works and be a cheerful giver and server, that you might gain more. So, that's kind of what I want to share. I was just doing a little bit of studying today, reading my Bible, spending a little time with God, and um, I started in Psalms, and then honestly, like, towards the end, right before I came here, I just came across, well, Psalms 12, and then I'm just going to read it, and then go through probably Psalms 15, but um, I'll just go ahead and start. Sorry, I'll wait till you guys get there, then I'll start. Okay, so <clears throat> Psalms 1 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man cease it, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue will, will we prevail? Our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I raise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Alright, so Psalms 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in, my, in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. So, I don't know, this first part just like stood out to me so much just because, I don't know, lately at work, I've just felt really different and it's just been with me like continuing to pursue my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I just feel there's like certain times like I'll get like comfortable in this zone and then it feels like I'll be like attacked and like I don't really understand why like 
you know what I mean? And, like, I just don't understand why. Like, back in the day, I feel like it was so much easier and I didn't feel as sensitive, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, the more I pursue and the more I, like, research and learn his word, it's like I'm much more sensitive, you know? <laughs> to it's true. You can just feel everything around you. Like, man, how come I didn't care before everything was so sweet? And now it's like... Yeah, I know what you mean. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been exactly what, what I've been going through. And lately, even with, like, coworkers, and I know, like, with them, it's just, like, like subtle things that, like, shouldn't mean anything, and I should, like, let it roll over. But it just, like, seems so insulting these uh-huh. days. And it's, like, <laughs> I don't understand why, you know what I mean? So I love this verse because it just talks about, like, how pure, like, his words are and how important it is to, like, keep them next to me, like, at all times and, like, inside of me. Mm-hmm. And just, like, trust that that I'm going through these trials and he's going to, not even just, like, expecting a reward, but knowing that me going through these trials, like, he promises to, like, fulfill them bountifully mm-hmm. and bring me up. So I'll keep going. Psalms 14, the chief musician, a psalm of David. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They are. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and not seek God. They are all gone. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my, my who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. You have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that thou salvation in Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. But, I don't know, I just wanted to just kind of read that and just let it sink in, and I don't know, however it affects you guys, or if you guys, like, had anything to add, but that's pretty much... Man, it makes perfect sense with the lesson that's going to be presented today. That's how I know the Lord led you to do it, because we're going to cover a lot of this stuff, so that's that's perfect. perfect. Nice. But you're so right about being sensitive to the spirit because when you had no conscience, it never even did anything to you. But man, your awareness just heightens big time when you start really seeking God. Like, oh yep, you hear what this guy is saying, you know? And then, and at one point, you could deal with it, and now, like you said, it's just offensive to you. You don't even like the atmosphere being around it. Mm-hmm. So that's cool, man. Sounds yeah. filthy. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, makes your temple feel dirty. Yeah. yeah. It does. It's true. And it just makes me want to, like, I don't know. It always makes me want to, like, stand up and, like, say something. But I know, like, I'm just supposed to, like, trust him. And, like, mm-hmm. he knows, like, it's affecting me. But it's, like, he's been through it, like, way before, mm-hmm. like, I went through it or anything like that. You know? yeah. So. I mean, yeah, we just have to yield to the Spirit of God. If he wants us to say something, say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people need that, you know? Like, when you tell them, hey, man, you not curse around me right now. I'm just trying to... And then, oh, oh, you know, um, excuse me, you know, whatever. But sometimes people need that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. No, man, that's cool, for real. Uh, Good. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Totally. So you're probably the most relaxed person to be up in the first. <laughs> like, you don't look stressed ever, man. You're just like, like, 
I'm good. <laughs> you know, but um, did you want to present anything? Or no. You good? All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. So you know, um, tonight's study again is going to be on um, offering strange fire. I agree with what you both said because again. You know, this thing is all about a nature change that we have to go through in this world. You know, you're you're not just learning about Christ. You're becoming like Christ. Mm-hmm. So when you deal with that, there is going to be a difference in your nature where things would affect you that never did before. Mm-hmm. Also, with what Christina said about, you know, many being called and fewer chosen, this is true. I mean, but one thing we have to make clear is that God does give everyone a chance because some people will say well that's because god didn't want him and the only reason i'm here is because he wanted me you know if he says go and preach the gospel to all people then that means it's for everyone to hear but he did say whosoever will receive it will you know like christina said and whoever doesn't won't but you know again that was great because you said it's not your responsibility your job is just to tell the truth and it's like if people don't want it everyone's accountable for their own salvation god will he loves us all he will reach out to everyone that's right because judas got even who betrayed christ he had a fair shake okay this guy knew he casted out devils like the rest of them he did all this stuff but you know when it came down to it you saw who was who he chose to betray christ so it's not even like you know he wasn't given a shot he said, I chose 12 of you, and one of you was a devil. <laughs> you know, so you're going to have the wheat growing up with the tares. Jesus promised that. That's just the way it's going to be. We just have to do our part. But, um, all right, so we'll get started. You know, um, Leviticus 10 and verse 1. You know, we can go there because, you know, we have to know exactly what this means as far as strange fire is concerned. A lot of people hear things of God. And they want to Christianize it and they want to do all this other stuff. And there's some things that the Lord will just not accept. I mean, it's just not of his spirit or not what he desires for us. So this is why I called the um, lesson this. uh, Leviticus 10 and verse 1. Leviticus 10 verse 1 and it says and Nabab and Nadab and Abihu the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord uh, which he commanded them um, which he commanded them not and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord <laughs> you know so you can get some more understanding if you read um, Exodus 30 in your spare time because it'll talk about how the Lord wanted offerings, how he wanted the incense and everything to be done, how it had to be gold in certain places, silver in others. He was very specific with what he desired with the people. But these guys here, you know, offered what they felt they wanted to offer, and this was the end result. So God is, you know, he doesn't change his tactics. We might not be under Levitical law in dealing with that, but he's still very specific about the things that he wants and the things that he doesn't want, you know, and no one's going to change his mind to it. Whatever reason he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. So we're going to give a few examples. Um, Let's 
go to another. Let's go to Leviticus 18. Well, matter of fact, let's go to Genesis 4 real quick. Because we're going to examine two different types of nature. That's how I know Christina was given what she was given and Carlin was given when he was given. Because it's like right to the point of what we're discussing. I don't know why this happens all the time. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Uh, we'll start at verse 1. Genesis 4 and 1. And it says, And Adam knew his wife Eve, I mean, he knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, if Cain was a tiller of the ground, naturally you're going to bring fruit of the ground. But this is also speaking of a specific nature, an earthly nature and not a heavenly one. So his fruit were from the ground. He had earthly fruit, you know, to say the least. Okay, so it says, um, verse 4. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So we understand here that Abel, if he's going to bring the firstlings of his flock, he's bringing, he's giving the Lord pretty much a body or what the Lord calls for. If we were to bring that into modern terms today, the Lord would say, I want a body. You know, I need a body so I can flow through a vessel fit for the master to use. All right, but... You know, a lot of people today, if we're Cain, we would say, well, I go to church, you know, I study, you know, I mean, what more do you want from a guy, you know, but the Lord, the biggest thing that you can give the Lord, the firstlings of your flock would be you. That's all the Lord desires. I need you. I need to work through you. I need you in obedience to me. I need you to yield to the spirit so you can be full of the spirit to do the will. Okay. So this is only speaking of two different types of nature, even though they had two different assignments. Abel gave the Lord his best. Cain gave the Lord what he felt the Lord should have. So because of that, all the Lord wants from us is, excuse me, all he wants to give us is, I mean, he wants us to give us our best. What's our best? You and me. Okay, so from there he can work. He has access to the temple. He can do whatever is necessary in the temple. So Cain basically, another perspective to look at it was is that Abel gave him himself, but Cain gave him like, like you just said, why well, don't uh -huh. church and I do all this, but you're not giving him yourself. Right. And he gave the Lord his best. It's like the little drummer boy, you know, for Christmas carols. I play my best for you. I have a drum, but this is what I'm giving you my best. King gave him, you know, well, this is for you. You know, and the Lord's like, I have respect for Abel's offering because he's given me what his best. And Cain has given him, you know, what he thinks he should have. So... All right, so it says, um, but unto Cain and his offering, he had no, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance, countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall not thy be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. So he's saying, if you do well, you know, you'll receive exactly what, you know, I want you to have. 
But if you don't do well, then, you know, you're going to sin. So you kind of transgress. And this is what it's talking about as far as sin is concerned. It begins in the mind. It doesn't begin in your actions. It begins in what you start to tell yourself you're okay with. And that slowly trickles out into committing the sin. So, um... Exactly. Yep. And then it says, and thou shalt rule over him. I mean, and unto thee shall, um, shall be his desire and thou shalt uh, rule over him. So he's letting them know that, you know, you don't want to be ruled by your emotions, by your earthly nature. You want to have a spiritual nature to where you give the Lord what he wants and he works. Mm-hmm. Cain wanted to do him, do it himself. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Quick point. Now, the Lord and, and Cain just had a conversation. They just discussed, all you have to do is this. This tells you that Cain in nature was a rebel because he disregarded what the Lord said and thought, by process of elimination, I can be loved. And that is that soulless, earthly, earthly nature of every fallen individual. You know, it's that feeling of, well, why not me? This is why in the end times, the church, the false church is going to attack the real one. Because when the spiritual gifts are flowing through us and we're doing the things of God, you know, remember, just like the Bible, just like Acts, those people are going to say, you know, well, they're of the devil. We got to kill them because that's not right. Why? Because if I get rid of you, I can be identified as a Christian again. But if I'm a Christian doing the things of God, and I mean, it's on display what the Lord is doing. That you see the lame, you know, healed, and you see restored eyes, you know, I mean, blind, receive their sight. You're going to know, hey, these are the works of God. So what is that going to say about the other church? Well, I don't know what you guys got going on, but the power of God is over here. You know what I'm saying? And that's when the jealousy is going to raise up. And this false church is going to say, you know what, persecute them. I'm making all this money through tithes and offerings, but I'm not even represented as the true church. Mm-hmm. So we got to get rid of the real one so we can walk in that image. And this is what Cain did to his brother. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. So he's a liar too. Am I my brother's keeper? And getting smart with the Lord. And he said, uh, how's thou, what hast thou done? Uh, the voice of thy brother's blood uh, crieth unto me from the ground. So the Bible says a life is in the blood. So it was the soul of Abel crying unto the Lord. And now art thou cursed uh, from the earth, which uh, hast opened her mouth and received thy brother's blood from thy hand. Uh, while thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond, shalt thou be in the earth. So if you're a transgressor, not following the Lord, you know, you want to do your own thing, you're a vagabond. You know, like what did, the, what did we read last week? That those that don't follow the Lord, if you don't take his correction, you're a bastard. You know, no father, no direction. All right, so he uh, put Cain out as a vagabond. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face uh, shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a, bag, a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Now, I want you guys to understand something. I mean, he just killed his brother. 
Never once did he ever repent of what he did. Never once did he even feel sorry for, for his punishment. He never said, you know, well, Lord, you know, I deserve this. Please forgive me. He said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Now they're going to kill me. So this is a nature wrapped in self. And this is why his offering was earthly and not heavenly. Abel cared for the sheep. So Abel had that type of nurturing nature of loving your brother, loving your neighbor. He understood what it was to have this. But Cain, on the other hand, is just a, you know, a rebel. Man, me, me, me. That is the nature of Adam. That's the nature of the world when it's about you. When you try and tell people about doing things in the, you know, for the Lord, well, how is it going to affect me? That's the fallen earthly nature that we have to get around and become God conscious to do what he calls us. And this is why you can offer strange fire and feel nothing. Never mind what the words of God says. This is what we should do. This is what we should have. We say, I want this for me because it makes me feel good. So, you know, from there, but you know, if you look at it, Cain never even apologized, never even felt guilt. Like, hey, I did this, but now what about me? You know, so he didn't even recognize, hey, I deserve this and a whole lot more. And, and a real person of the earth is never broken by his sin. He's never broken by his rebellion. A real Christian, they will go up there when it comes to um, altar calls. They'll go up every week and people will be like, man, he was there last week. Didn't he learn? That's because he recognizes the Holy Ghost is revealing things to him. Man, I got to get this right. You know, I... I switched out a book and gave my friend a ripped up copy and I had the good one. Lord, forgive me for that. That wasn't right. But you know, an earthly person, they'll sit back cold as a stone. Like, well, I don't need an altar call. I did that once and I'm living right for the Lord so I don't have to change a thing. See, that, that pride, I mean, it just stinks in the nostrils of God to where he wants us to change and be made right. Yeah. Be like him. All right, so let's go to Leviticus uh, 18 and 26. If anyone wants to add anything, they can. It kind of goes to that whole, um, like when you become more spiritually minded, you become more sensitive. Mm -hmm. You know, you are more aware of your feelings. Exactly. Now, already, we've already covered what Carlin said and what you said. It's all in the lesson. It's going to be all throughout it, too. That's funny because actually last Tuesday when you asked if like anybody needed prayer, I mean, uh -huh. I thought about it, you know, uh -huh. like thought about just coming up, like, right. being, I mean, I should just do it, you know, it doesn't right. matter like which way I think I'm going, you know, why not just do it if God's telling me to do it. Oh yeah, you know, because, right. Yeah, Andrew raised his hand. I was proud of him, man, because, you know, Andrew was mostly quiet in these studies, but you know, whatever it was, he said, man, let me go up there. I mean, right after, when I teach these lessons, I'm, I'm also speaking to myself. So I'm not acting like, well, guys, when you get to this level, everything will be. No, everything I talk about, I'm examining in me, you know. So we have to stay humble and lowly that way. But, yeah, we're all broken vessels that the Lord is working on and fixing. I think, though, that and it's, it's amazing how it's like you brought up the, the closer you get to the Lord you know, things will, you become sensitive to more stuff because mm -hmm. it is true. It's like he takes the veil off of your eyes mm -hmm. and you, you're able to see stuff that you couldn't see before and you can compare it to scripture. You're like, man, that's, that's right here. It is right uh, here in scripture, everything that we're going through. It's true. And then having that personal relationship, wanting your temple cleaned up. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, the, that's more of, you know, not just doing the works, but then spending time with, personal time with, with the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
No. When I was doing my reading, actually, I even told Christina, I was like, why didn't I read this like a year ago? I would understand everything I was going through. Mm -hmm. That's like perfect. It's like God got his time and season for everybody. You know, that's the awesome thing about it. All right. um, Leviticus 18 and 26. And it says, everybody there? All right. And it says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. So this tells you here that the Lord is telling them, hey guys, you got to keep what I want to do if you want to stay up under me. But then he talks about the abominations, and then he says of the strangers. Strangers, another word would be like foreigners. One of the reasons why the blessings have been taken off of America, even though for a while, you know, people were doing the things of the Lord. But as we read in Isaiah um, chapter two, it talks about how the people would be replenished by the East. And I'm telling you, Eastern mysticism, Eastern philosophy, all this stuff came flooding in in the 50s, martial arts. There's nothing wrong with defending yourself. But the thing is, is that there's a spirit behind everything you do. They don't just teach you martial arts. They teach you the power of chi, and then they teach you how to kneel down and pray, you know, to Buddha. And you don't know what you're doing in there, you know, calling out these names. When you throw a punch and you hear them say Kia, Kia is a god from the Eastern philosophy, um, Eastern uh, mysticism, that when they punch, they feel like that, that force. So you're really calling on a, on a demon's name and, and throwing punches, but they're telling you, oh, no, that's just your energy. So, you know, a lot of people in their ignorance have been plagued by the things of strangers that has taken their eyes off of God. Because one thing about Eastern philosophy, I don't know if you guys ever dealt with this, but they think they are so many miles ahead of everyone else. They look at God's word like, man, that's old stuff. You know, what I'm trying to do with my mind and my ways, I'm trying to seek whatever from within. And, you know, I'm into this, and I'm into Buddha, and I'm into all this other type of spiritual enlightenment, and I myself can become a god. This is how these people think. You know, it's about me. I've learned something that no one else has, when really this is the, you know, knowledge of heathens and the things that Satan taught those who were not of God. So when people think that they're learning Eastern mysticism and all that stuff, that New Age stuff, that stuff was who God was telling his people to stay away from. All Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, uh, all these other false religions, they all come out of Babylon. Nimrod taught the same thing at the Tower of Babel. So, you know, all this stuff is not new. I mean, it's old, but the devil never changes his tricks. A magician doesn't change his tricks. He finds new audiences to try and present something new and then call it enlightenment. All right, so he says... um, you know, nor the strangers that sojourneth among you, like don't take in their ways. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, uh, which were before you, and the land is defiled. You see what happens to the land? You partake in the ways of the heathen, you'll be, you know, you know their, their ways will just spread and defile everything. 28, that the land spew not you uh, out also uh, when, it, when, when ye defile it, as it is spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. So this is the Lord telling you straight out that 
He cannot be a part of that which is unholy, no matter how much we try and make it holy. Verse 30, Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. So it sounds like here he's not making any type of, you know, waves where, all right, I'll allow a little bit in here and maybe that. He's trying to keep the temple clear. Now, if we are the temple of the living God, like we read in Second Peter chapter 2, that Lot was a righteous man. But because he dwelt among the unrighteous, his righteous soul became vexed, you know, so he became a man of another nature. Carlin's getting something over there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, that's in Second Peter chapter 2, I believe it's verse 6 and 7, that uh, they go into Enoch and everything with him, not Enoch, uh, Lot. So, you know, the Lord is very clear about what he wants for us to do. And when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to the temple, which is us, we have to keep those things pure because that's the only place that the Holy Ghost is going to flow. All right, so from here we'll move on. If no one has anything to add, let's go to um, Leviticus 22 and 18. Okay, now the Lord being very precise here, he says, uh, Leviticus 22 and 18, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel and say unto them, Whatsoever he be uh, of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel that will offer his oblation, which is kind of like your offering, uh, for all his vows and for all his free will offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord uh, for a burnt, a burnt offering. Ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. But whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall he not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. So the Lord is saying, if it's got a blemish or anything wrong with it, don't bring it here. You know, <laughs> do whatever you want with it. But he, he's very specific in what he wants. Verse 21. And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord and accomplish his vow, or a freewill offering in beads or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed or having a wind or scurvy or scabbed. Ye shall not offer these unto the Lord nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous uh, or lacking in his parts, that mayest thou offer for a free will offering. But for a, before a vow it shall not be accepted. Ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut. Neither shall ye make any offering thereof in your land. Neither from a stranger's hand shall ye offer the bread of your God and of any of these, because their corruption is in them and blemishes be in them. Uh, they shall not be accepted for you. So what? remember, 
you know, you can tell how this has so much to do with us, how we just talked about with Abel, how he, um, his offering of the firstlings of his flock, he gave the Lord his best. The Lord wants from us his best. What does he say in the end time? That he will have a church without spot or blemish. So he's not looking for any wrinkles, any type of mess, anything of the old nature. The Lord wants everything new and built over in him. Okay, so this even tells you here that when they talk about the free will offerings, look at how the offering has to be a free will thing. Christina just covered that. You know, you yourself have to come to the Lord and be right. Okay, no one can make you do it. But the Lord is very specific about his requirements and the things that he wants. So we are very much like the offerings in the past. These offerings were meant to appease God because man himself didn't have the spirit of God. He was distanced from God. So you see how it moved from the tabernacle unto a permanent place, Solomon's temple, where they were able to worship and praise. And then into the temple, which is what God made, which is us, that we have to be a free will offering. We have to make sacrifices in that temple. You know, through fasting and prayer, we have to be priests. We have to sanctify the body and, you know, let the spirit of the Lord live in us. Yeah. Could that also be looked at as the three stages that we've gone over of Egypt? Body, soul, and spirit. Absolutely. You know, and that's what the Lord was trying to show his people. He was trying to bring them unto the temple itself being made perfect because he said it would be one that wouldn't be made with hands, mm -hmm. at least not the hands of man. Right. You know, so... um Let's see. Let's go to Hosea 4 6 real quick. No, I just threw a loop. Hosea. That's right after Daniel. Right after Ezekiel, Daniel, the major prophet. I should have just laid it on the floor here. <laughs> Since we were all like looking down at the Bible. Should have just laid it down right here. Hosea 4. We'll start at verse 1, 2. Hosea 4 and 1. There we go. Alright. So it says, Hosea 4, 6 and 1. I mean, four and one. Uh, hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy uh, with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out the, uh, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field, and with the fowl of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that uh, strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall uh, in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. 
So that's something that we want to make clear of, you know, when you go into willful sin, the Bible talks about in Exodus 20 being, um, you know, idolatry being that one sin that if you commit it, that you can, it can carry on for three and four generations. So imagine if you had generation of generation committing idolatry and calling it tradition, the way that this is. And you're not even aware of this because it's tradition to you that you're passing on four extra generations of a curse that can be placed on your family. And this is something that happens to families without people even knowing. So he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why? Because the average so-called Christian doesn't want to hear this stuff. You start talking about serving the Lord and fasting and praying and doing all this other stuff. I mean, and it's like, man, where does it say we have to do that? Yeah, like, I don't want to do this. I Look, I go to church. I pay my taxes. I give up the moolah. Like, what do you want from me? I'm doing my job. So these are things that it's just telling us that it would do us good to do what the Lord tells us to do. If he's telling you it's for a specific reason because... Not because he wants to be mean, but there's some things he just can't accept. You know, like you're asking him, Lord, come on out in the mud with me. You know, I don't want to, I want to pull you up into, you know, to heavenly places. You say, Lord, I'm tired. Just come on down and visit with me. You think he's going to jump in the mud with you to appease you? He's going to let the pig enjoy his mud. He's going to let the, um, the dog return to his vomit. That he's not going to be a part of anything that is not godly. Yeah. So we have to be careful what we offer, careful what we give him. And from here, I'm not going to go into all of this. We're going to get into the first uh, one will be contemporary music in the church. We're going to go there first. Then we're going to um, cover women pastors. You know, we're going to get into a couple of things. So let's go to uh, Ephesians 5 and 9. I know some people would be like, what, what's wrong with contemporary music? They say Jesus in it. But if it's just like the world, I mean, it's like, what do you expect to happen? Everything has a spiritual backing with it. That's just the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Ephesians um, 5 and 9. Let's go to 7. 7 is a good one. Ephesians 5 and 7, and it says... Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye are sometimes darkness, but now ye are light. In the Lord walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now remember, the Bible says we worship God in spirit and in truth. Those are the only two ways to worship God. You have to be of the Spirit, and it's got to be truth. Okay, so then it says, verse 10, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, meaning correct them, or expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So this also goes back to what we were discussing in Hebrews 12 about not being a bastard, like to accept the correction that the Lord gives us. Because if we accept his correction, what happens is, you know, we tend to, you know, 
be taken in. Okay, you made a mistake. We're going to make this right. Now come on in. But if you tell me, I don't want to learn. Don't tell me anything different. You keep the same nature. So now the Lord is kind of like, well, I'm not going to have a disobedient child in my house. Get out. You know, if you want to go, go. But if you're going to be here, how many times have my parents told us, this is my house. These are my rules. If you don't want to be here anymore, you can move out. But one thing I'm not going to do is yield to you. You have to obey what I'm telling you to do. Well, and uh, another quick point is, is that when you talk to people about the stuff that's going on in the world today, and especially like with politics, oh my goodness, trying to talk to people about politics is like pulling teeth, unless they're like willing to receive mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you can tell people, it's like, man, it's like, do your own research. Do your own research about what's really going on in this country mm -hmm. and what everything means. And they want to tell you, you know, ah, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just going to pick this one or they don't want to really see what's mm -hmm. going on around them. And it's like, man, it's like you, you need to know. But then again, if they say forget about it or whatever, that's when you just say, well, okay, well, I know what I believe, but you, you, <laughs> it's like you. Well, yeah, because people are not about fixing the problem. Like Christina said, as far as like the Lord and humanity, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus Christ is the only answer for humanity for all of us. Yeah. I mean, this world is slowly going to corrupt like an apple turned rotten on a table for two years. It's just corrupting. It cannot be. This world cannot be saved. All God wants are the people that are in it out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever wants to come on the Lord's side, come this way. But people that engage or get angry with politics, those are people that love the world. Mm -hmm. They love the... See, so the moment you talk Jesus, well, wait a minute, we're not going that heavy into it. We're just trying to see who's going to be president so we can argue our little stupid points and be lied to again for another four to eight years. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus, when you mention that, now you're thinking of hell. Now you're thinking of he's coming back to destroy the world. Now I'm accountable. I got to live right. So now you're going a little bit too far. We were just trying to keep it in these circles that mean absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So you're going against someone that loves the world anytime you bring Christ up and it's hated. Yep. A lot of people want to focus on the problem and judge the problem everything costs mm -hmm. about what's going on, but they don't want to do the work to find the solution mm -hmm. or overcome whatever is going on mm -hmm. from the problem. When right. you bring that up, then it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's why there's a sense of awareness that needs to come out of this. So it says in 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So it's telling you circumspectly is to walk around looking. Be aware of your surroundings. Recognize the time. What's going on here? When you enter into a room, you know, you should be, like Carlin was talking about, sensitive to the spirit and, hey, man, this ain't for me. You know, and the Lord will tell you, get out of there. You know, you don't belong in here. Go. So that's the whole thing about, you know, being aware, looking around, seeing what's going on. He says, you know, don't be as fools. So what does that tell you? Fools walk around not looking. Okay, fools don't see. They're not aware of their surroundings. I'm not calling anybody a fool. This is the Bible saying, don't be a fool. Don't walk as a fool. Walk as the wise one does. Redeeming the time. Recognizing the time because the days are evil. So you can't afford to walk around with your eyes closed. It just doesn't work. You know, Jesus said that the blind lead of the blind. They both fall into a ditch. You don't want to be one of them. You want to be aware. 
That's why when you hear anything in politics and all this stuff for a Christian, you're like, oh, man. Like, and now I know what they're talking about, what's happening. But to the average person, man, that was a good debate. You know, I sure hope, you know, Hillary wins and gets in the office. They're not even awake. I mean, they're just walking around blindfolded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like don't tell me what Hillary said. I don't even care. You know, I just focused on Jesus. Mm -hmm. So then it says in verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, uh, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not so, so, all right, uh, you know, I keep stopping, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying don't be unwise. The unwise have no awareness of what the Lord's will is upon them. So he wants you to be wise, you know, so you understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, um, there were things in my life, again, um, calling myself a Christian, you know, I might have known people that were, you know, homosexual. I wouldn't necessarily call them friends, but, you know, I used to wonder like, man, why, you know, the Lord have to be that way with them. That's why he says, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of God is. If you understood that homosexuality was to corrupt the seed of the seed of men, if it was really meant to destroy the image of God, now your eyes are open. And when you understand it's spiritual, now you can really come to some real understanding because it's got nothing to do with that person. It's the spirit behind that person that's against God. And no one ever just becomes homosexual. Romans 1 gives you a step-by-step, play-by-play of how a person can come from, one, ignoring, the, no, hiding the truth in unrighteousness, then um, worshiping and serving the creature, which is man over the creator, and then you slowly defile into uncleanness. I have no God to repent before, so I'm just going to do what I have to do. Then you go to vile affections because the devil doesn't just keep you in one arena. He takes you all over the place into, well, man, we need to get dirty. We need to get more hoochie in here. We need to, you know, man, let's have some real fun. Let me show you some stuff. Then you go from there to a reprobate mind because through all that corruption going down in stages, your world has been flip-flopped. So now you're thinking that evil is good and good is evil. You know, so that's this is what it means by understanding what God's will is. 18, and be not drunk with wine, uh, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so we got to really pay attention to that. Notice here in verse 20, this is the Trinity. Giving thanks always unto, I mean, for all things unto God. So that tells you there, now God is a whole. Because if it was separate from that, you they wouldn't say next the Father and then Jesus Christ. Obviously, there's a whole there. So it's God and the Father and Jesus Christ. Now, some people would say, isn't the Father God? Yes. But is he God alone? No. Jesus is also God and the Holy Ghost is God. Okay. But, um, you know, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, what do they do? They do what Galatians 5 says to do. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I go over several psalms in the morning. I memorize. I may say them. I believe when you speak things into existence, they have power. 
but it prepares me for the day. Just like in Ephesians 6 when it says, make sure have your feet shod with the gospel of preparation of peace. So you're paving the way, you're getting into your word, a little worship, a little, you know, uh, praise to go into your day. You know, you want to go into your day like this in the right frame of mind. There's one guy I knew down at Jackknife when I used to work there. He was a, um, you know, a, a real estate broker, he's a young guy. But he would say, man, you know how I get ready in the morning? I play that song, you know, be better have my money, you know, before I go out and do all this other stuff. But see, that was his mentality. But this is what he thinks. Be better have my money. But he was getting empowered. And he said, you know what? It helps me out through the day. That's why I said inspiration is to be breathed upon by a spirit. That spirit doesn't always have to be good. Now, I do believe that this song may help him. Why? Because he's believing a different spirit getting him ready for the day. But that doesn't solve the problem of whether it's right or wrong. You know, because if your attitude is whatever better have my money, that means I'm willing to manipulate square straight business to receive that money. What is the goal? The money. You know, why do these people get into contemporary Christian music? The money. Because it's like, man, the crowd can receive this, so I can make even more. This is why people engage in it. They know that gospel music don't sell. Let's be real here. You know, you might become BB or CC Winans. Even they had to sell out. You've, if you notice in their music, to be accepted, you got to be more worldly. You got to reach the crowd. No, we're of God. We're here. Okay, if you want to come, you come over here. The word, the church is not going over there. We have no part in worldly affairs. Yep. Question. Um, yeah. You bringing up that he would constantly be inspired by this money song. Um, mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of what like people do who are into like casting spells and sorcery witchcraft? Is they mm -hmm. will focus on what they want mm -hmm. and kind of um, chant it to mm -hmm. say what they. Want, right. Similar to totally. And that's why, you know, no one can tell me that word of faith movement is the real gospel. Because if you're sitting here asking for things or, you know, money come to me and I'm having this and I believe you're your own little sorcerer outside of God. Now, it says understand the will of God. What is his will? What does he like? Never mind what you like. See, this is. Exactly. So this is why Cain became a vagabond, because he chose to give what he wanted. I don't want to obey God. I want to coexist with him and do my thing. So Cain wanted to be his own God. Yeah. Well, if we understand the will of God, it also goes back to the two commandments. Love, love the Lord. Lord. That's right. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. That is, that is, that is the will of God. Exactly. You know, so that's the thing. And that's why it says understand what his will is. If you ask the Lord for understanding, he'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. If you say, Lord, well, why don't you accept this? Oh, you really want to know? Well, get your pad and paper because he's going to write, you know, hey, this is what I this is why I don't like it. And then he'll bring it to a spiritual level to where you're like, it makes perfect sense. But what do people do? They automatically hate God, reject God because it's not what they want in their earthly minds. And a carnal mind is the enemy of God. That's what um, James 4 tells you. Friendship with the world, you are the enemy of God because you have the world spirit, like Paul says, and not God's spirit. So you can't relate. And that's why when you tell people, hey man, you got a spirit of lust, 
you need to fast and pray, you know, whatever. And hey, what are you saying? I have lust? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to tell you that it's a spirit of lust. And you, why are you calling me that? You know, and it's like, you know what, man, forget it. Like, you just leave it alone. They, they're just on a different level. Yeah. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Colossians 3 and 1. But they'll tell you, and I mean, you don't make money in the gospel. You got to be in it for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be in it for the Lord. You know, you're praising. This is what I want to do for the Lord. Right. And, you know, but gospel music don't sell. They figured that out a long time ago. You might get a gold record, but, you know, their their level of gold is not like the world gold. You get world gold. You know, people be knocking on your door. Can I endorse you for this? Can we do that? You know, let's let's get a video out, you know, set all this stuff up. You don't get that in the gospel. They'll have you singing in a room with a choir. You know, that's about it. But if you really want to get in, man, this this is why people get in. They are chasing the dough. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of Lecrae? Yeah, I have. He's like a Christian rapper. Uh -huh. I remember me and Christina were listening to his album today. We were just mm -hmm. sitting there like, how is this Christian? <laughs> we're just like, we're so confused. Like, oh, yeah. He didn't said glorify Jesus God. Lunch. Yeah, he said Jesus or God. Mm -hmm. Like, But other than that, it's like, all worldly stuff. Oh yeah, much about. exactly. You know, so it's it's of a different spirit. When you look at um, Kirk Franklin, I believe he was saved at one point because the spirit filled his music at one point. I mean, like when he did "Why I Sing," man, that was totally inspired by the Lord and everything. But see, somebody told him, "Hey, man, you need to reach the youth." And I think you were just the one. See, Satan is good at what he does. I'm telling you, he say, "Yeah, this is great," but if you could switch it around, you know, and get to the young people, man, you would really fulfill the will of God. So what did he do? He came out with Stomp and all this other stuff, and people were in there dancing, shaking, and all that. Now what do you see? They're doing a Harlem shaking church. Why? Because once that spirit gets in, that's it. The devil is not like, all right, um, do you mind if I go to the bathroom? Uh, do you mind if I have a glass of water? You knock, Satan will knock on that door, hi, I just want to, you know, uh, get to know you guys and everything. He's a big bad wolf. You open the door, he'll kick the door open. All right, man, what y'all eating up in here? He'll go in your fridge, make something to eat. He won't leave. He'll stay there all night blasting the TV loud, you know, doing whatever while you're trying to sleep. And then tell you, man, you know, honestly, you are supposed to give your bed to your guest. So, and I'm a guest, an uninvited guest, but... He's bold. He just makes his way in. He mows stuff down. So now that the Spirit is in the church, he's like, everybody, put your hands up for the Lord Jesus Christ. You got DMX trying to rap. <laughs> Say, Jesus, Jesus. Like, what are you doing with that, man? What's going on with you? But this is the way that he didn't change a thing. His spirit was the same. He just figured, man, I'll go in and I'll do whatever. But his story is interesting because he learned Man, he may have a false way of understanding God, but he did know at one point, I need the Lord, because he saw how wicked the rap game was, that he went running for his life. Now, I thought he was big, bad DMX, you know, rough riders, but when he got to see the spirit that was on the other end of that, he said, man, I'm out of here, because I know what's in store for me. So, you know, you have to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. Colossians 3 and verse 1, and it says... If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on and not on things on the earth. Now see, this is Cain and Abel. Set your affections above. Hey, Lord, you can have my best because my mind is spiritual. My mind is with you. And what makes you happy, Lord, makes me happy. But, you know, Cain had his affections on things below, holding back his best to give the Lord, well, you know, well, I got to have some for me. So, Lord, this is for you. You see how that nature plays all through the Bible. Jesus is coming for the bride. You know, Jesus is the bridegroom. And what's Satan incarnate? The Antichrist? He's the beast. Why? Because at the end of all this nature, everything you cover in the Bible, you're dealing with the beast. Man without God is a beast. He will have beast music. He'll have beast clothes. I mean, whatever it is, you name it, it'll be to accommodate the beast. You know, I can't even find dress slacks anymore, like nice ones like I used to wear. Everything is skinny, you know, pants. I'm like, man, I ain't wearing these, you know, but it's like, who are these for? Think about the nature that made those. Someone that likes to see a man up close and personal. That's the spirit that's even taken over the clothing world. Mm -hmm. Now they got men purses and all this stuff. And, nah, not me, man. Exactly. I mean, it's like, who are they showing off for? But this is the spirit that, that has taken over the world that they're trying to change the image of God. Yeah. I know this, um, this study is going to make a lot of people angry, but hey. That's just the way it is. All right, verse 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So you see, you die with Christ to be lifted up in Christ. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is greed, and concupiscence is like, you know, lusting for that which is, you know, under, well, not of God, undesirable. And then it says, um, which is idolatry. So you see, if you follow money, money is why you do things, you're an idolater. You know, um, longing for that which is not of God, you're an idolater. You know, when it comes to uncleanness, inordinate affection, I mean, those things, there are people that believe you can do this and you're going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. This is the type of believers Christina was talking about concerning those who they believe, but they still want to hang on to some things. Well, you know, it's going to come down to it in the end of time. You're not a believer at all if you believe that you can continue to do this. I'm not talking about falling and striving. I'm talking about the Lord will accept what I give. I think if I admit that I love him with my words and, you know, I continue to live my life, that he'll be okay with it, you know? And it's like, don't kid yourselves. The Lord is for what he's calling for, okay? He makes no mistakes. If he had examples in the Old Testament about what strange fire is and two died not believing what he said, don't think that he's going to accept anything that he didn't tell you is, is the case. Oh, yeah. All right, so it says in verse 6, for which things are sake of the wrath of God uh, cometh on the children of disobedience. So everything that we just named are children of disobedience. So we need to be made right in him. Verse 7, And in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. See? So at one point you were in them. No one's going to make any mistakes about that. I have fallen. I have backslid. You know, when I came to Christ, up until the Lord took things out of my life. And he's still taking things out. 
So at one point you walk that way. No one is saying that didn't happen to you. But over time, we are to get better in Christ because we're getting the nature of Christ. And when you have the nature of Christ offering the right type of fire, I mean, it'll be no problem. Why? Because your mind will be like his. All right. So it says, um, verse 8, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. See, even the wrong offering could be blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds. So what are we talking about? A change in nature. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So it'll be after the knowledge, after the wisdom of God. So there'll be no, um, they won't be, uh, they'll be compatible. You'll be compatible with Christ because you're like Christ. That's what it means to be truly born again. When you're born again, yeah, you're going to stumble and fall. Doesn't a baby? You know, when he's born, he don't see that well until his eyes develop. He has no teeth. His hair isn't there yet. Totally dependent upon his mom. But once you're fully matured in Christ, he's expecting you to walk. Imagine, you know, breastfeeding a 35-year-old man. I mean, how sick would that be? You know, so eventually we're supposed to walk in the ways of God. Mm -hmm. Like children walk in the ways of their parents. Let's be real. You know, I mean, there are some parents that teach their kids right. And then you have some real rebellious children. But that's because they sucked on the world. You know, they were nurtured by the world. And then Christ has got to bring you back to wholeness. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, uh, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So we're talking no matter what your walk of life is, no matter what your background was, you get into Christ and Christ is in you, then you have one body in the nature of God. No disparities, no uh, division, no any of the stuff that you see today. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbling of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Christina talked about that. And above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So that word for charity is love, which is agape, you know, which tells us that, you know, that's what you're supposed to put on. Perfect love cast out fear. Does the Bible not say that? You know, so being perfected in Christ or the fulfilling of the law is loving your God and loving your neighbor. This is the right kind of fire to offer God. Because if you give and your heart's not right, what did Jesus say in Matthew 5? Give it back to, well, put it aside. Go make it right with your brother and then offer your gift. All right. So it says, um, verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So it's not just knowing the, God, the word. Let it live in us. All right. Teaching and admonishing, which is correcting and warning, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the Lord is only going to allow in heaven that which came from heaven. 
If it's not of God, he cannot accept it because it's of the spirit of the world or the spirit of the devil. I do believe that many will have gifts that the Lord uses and he'll put stuff together. But all I'm saying to people is there's no perfect way to sing to the Lord. Just let it be of the right spirit. Mm -hmm. That's it. Have it of the right spirit. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right. You know, because a lot of these people, I mean, you'll see it. They claim they love the Lord, man, but their hearts are still angry. That stuff came out of rebellion, out of the world, out of kids with no fathers, out of kids in poverty. And they think they're going to sing to the Lord that way, man. He can't accept it. Say, man, I like you and all, but, you know, I mean, imagine Jesus. Because there was one guy who sang a rap song. Gary Price talked about this. This guy sang a rap song and um, on a Christian channel. And... Everybody called in. This kid has been touched by God and all this. Everybody just accepted this kid. So you hear the lyrics and the guy's like, I got my swag on. I worship Jesus Christ. I do this. I do that. And all this other stuff. Now imagine standing before the Lord of glory. He and his angels in battle array. The Lord is there in his majesty and everything. All power. And you got some little guy in front of him. I got my swag on. I worship Jesus Christ and blah, blah, blah. You think God is going to be okay with that? I mean, come on. I mean, get out of here with that mess, you know? But it's just something that, you know, we have to recognize. Let it be in the right spirit. Let the Holy Ghost guide you. All right. We'll move on for time's sake. I can stay on those things all day. Uh, the next is going to be women pastors. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The tuning fork just went off. Don't turn it off. Keep it on. Like R.W. Schombach would say, keep it on. Don't turn it off. Hear what has to be said first, and you judge for yourself if it's right. That's why we need God's understanding, so we don't get caught up in things like racism. We don't get caught up in chauvinism and all that. You understand why the Lord has things the way that he has them. All right, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, and it says, Be ye followers of me. So Paul is saying, follow me even as I also am of Christ. Now, is Paul saying to worship him? No. Paul is saying, I am full of the Spirit. I'm walking in the ways of God. So we ought to walk in like manner of those that serve the Lord properly. Verse 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, Paul is talking about keeping ordinances, because I know you'll get some backlash when we read in the first part in Leviticus and all that. Oh, well, you're bringing people back up under the law. We don't do that anymore. So what ordinances are Paul talking about here? He's not talking about the Mosaic law, but he is making clear that the Lord has things that he wants us to do. That's all the ordinances are, those that obey the Spirit of God. As I delivered them to you, but I would not, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, not his wife, not his mother. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, I know some women, what do you mean the head of the woman is the man? The Lord has his order. The Bible makes clear that God made man. Woman is out of the womb of man. And in God's order, the woman is, you know, he has his ranking system. 
You know, and it's not that he's putting a woman beneath. The woman should be by the side of the man, working with the man. She's his helper. That's why Eve was created to be a helper to Adam. People make this thing out more than it is. If it's in a godly way, then who cares? You're both worshiping the same God. Adam, as a man of God, wasn't going to step in front of God and, Eve, you better do what I'm telling you to do. They were of, they, he made them perfect. So it would be like, you know, they would both obey the Lord, but what Adam said had to be done. Why? The authority was given to Adam, not to Eve. Now, does that mean the man is supposed to dominate his wife? And, you know, no, we're talking about a godly man. One that the Bible says you love her as God loves you. Your man should give his life for his wife, the Bible says. So that ought to tell you that the man is to serve his wife. He's to look after her. But how can you sit at a restaurant where you got, you know, you're there in your pride and the waiter is coming over. Oh, can I serve you? Uh, so what would you like? Don't worry about it. I'll get it myself. I don't need help. See, that's what a Jezebel spirit would do. You know, a woman wants to serve a guy a plate. Let him get his own plate. You know, so where is the, you know, the togetherness in this when you got people wanting to be independent of God and doing things themselves? Now, can a man fix his own food? Sarah's laughing, but can a man fix his own food? Absolutely. But the point is, is if she wants to serve him and he wants to serve her, where's the conflict? But when you got a woman trying to be above a man outside of the order of God, you're out of order, lady, and that's strange fire. Okay, that's the bottom line. You're out of order. If a man takes all authority over his wife and dictates over her like some, you know, caveman, you know, that she can't say anything, can't do anything, he doesn't worry about her feelings, he doesn't protect or nurture her, then he's not a man of God. He's out of order. But when this thing is governed by God, it's going to flow like a river. There's not going to be those problems unless you're trying to gain authority over what God put. Yeah. In both perspectives there, they're the man and the woman, if they're not living for Christ, are beasts. So you have two beasts trying to live together. Yeah. And how often does that work? No, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Also, women in this, um, for spiritualized, need to be practicing meekness. You know, That's right. They need to be above the man, but they need to humble themselves and um, submit themselves to the Lord that this is his law and not get offended. That's right, because the Lord says their strength is in a meek and quiet spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, some people would say, that means I'm dumb. I can't say anything. No, it doesn't mean that, but... You know, when you see a family in order and you actually see a real woman of God, a woman, a lady of God, and she's like, you know, um, interacting with people, she doesn't have a dominance about her, but she is a very comfortable woman. She's very um, confident. confident, you know, to where it's like, oh, yeah, I understand. Thank you. You know, whatever. But she's so classy, so elegant, everything that God made. She but she's need, but she's strong. She's not a weakling. And she doesn't you know? need validation. Exactly. People. Right. You know, it's like she recognizes the authority of God. She's humbling herself before God. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's just the way it is. So why would you even want to upset that? But if you feel like this is a problem, then there's work that needs to be done in you. That's just it. There's never been a woman of the world that has not had a Jezebel spirit that the Lord had to take out and make them right. That's any woman. I don't care if we're talking my mom, my sisters, whatever. But I will say that a woman learns how to be a wife watching her mom. Because if you notice, if your mom's a woman of God and she's doing things around the house, you have no problem doing those things because you were raised around them. 
So that's why, in some ways, it has to be inherent to the woman, or the Holy Ghost will teach the woman. That's why he tells the mature women of the church to teach the young women how to be wives. Because a lot of them will, you know, have this same world spirit. Yeah. Another example of that, because my parents have been married for a long time now. I won't say how long. And I never understood what you just said about my parents. How my mom would always do stuff for my dad, being that submissive woman. You know, to my dad. And then, because I had the spirit of Jezebel in me for a long time, being military and all that other stuff. And so I just thought, you know, it's like, well, man, he is just so, like, domineering over her and everything. But that's not the thing. The thing is, is that she's trying to be that biblical woman that the Bible says that she Right. Well, she's just man. doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, you have no problem with that. A real woman's heart is patriarchal. Mm -hmm. You have no problem doing... A, a real woman's heart wants to nurture her home, her husband and her children. That's like, that goes without saying. You know, when the, the father be like, well, I'll take him to bed. No, no, I got it. Because she just wants to tuck him in and mm -hmm. make sure they're good. And, you know, that's a woman's heart. So it's like if you want to take that out of a woman and she's competing for dominance with her husband, I mean, you, you got chaos. That's yeah. a mess. All right, so it says that we got the order. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is a man. She's called woman because she's out of the womb of a man. God didn't make Eve, you know, just outside of Adam or independent of Adam. She came from him. He took peace of Adam and made Eve. All right, so verse 4, and it says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his own head covered, dishonoreth his head. What, what does this mean? If a man is praying you know, and prophesying, the head of every man is Christ. So, but you got some men in church, and Gary Price had me laughing, man, big time this week when he was talking about a guy, um, you know, you got some men there in church dancing and all that, making noise, and, you know, they're spinning around in a circle screaming, and he's like, you know, man, you're supposed to be a man, and you're here screaming. He said, man, you've lost all your masculinity, and you're like a little cheerleader in a church, dancing in circles, you know, screaming with a pastor. The head of every man should be Christ. You know, I'm no one's head. I may be like somewhat of a covering because I'm a teacher that the Lord has given me, but not to the degree of, you know, if, if one of the guys wanted to talk to me or, or want to talk to God, and they tell me, and I'm like, hey, man, you need to consult me. And I talk to the Lord for you. That's a problem. Because you're not supposed to be God over anybody's inheritance. That man is ruled by only one, and that's God. Not, you know, his pastor or this or that. You may have proper church order, but never to the degree of you dominate and the man can't come to Christ. He has to come to you. So if any man seeks another man for guidance before seeking the Lord or over the Lord, then this is where a man dishonoreth his own head because the head of every man can only be Jesus. That is your way in. It can't be from another man. All right, so it says, um, he dishonoreth his head, verse 5, but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even uh, all one as if she were shaven. So for a woman not to have a covering, you know, it doesn't mean not to have a husband, but when you come before the Lord, yes, a woman can pray to the Lord direct. That's not what it's saying. But the thing is, is that she needs to have a covering. The Bible makes clear of this. Authority has to go over that woman's head in, in the church order. Why? Because you got to think of this, too, that the angels themselves 
went after those women, remember? And that's why they said the women would have to be covered because of the angels. Well, they were speaking of the angels themselves that were, you know, when they came down to Genesis 6, dealt with women. If they're not under the headship or the authority of God, you have no covering. Think about what Adam and Eve, when Eve ate the fruit, all right, and Adam followed. See, the control didn't go to Eve. He might have followed Eve, but who, who gained the control behind following Eve? Satan. Yeah. You know, the world became his the moment he got Adam to obey Eve. If you read Genesis 3, Jesus said, I believe that was Jesus they were talking to, but he says, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and disobeyed me, you know, then everything had to turn where everything fell. Adam was no longer the ruler that God gave him dominion. Eve was, you know, she thought she was ruling because Satan said she'd be as a God. But Satan knew that God never gave that authority to a woman. So what did he do? He scooped it up. Well, I guess our, our business transaction has been concluded. You guys take care. You disobeyed your God. But now this world is mine until the coming of Jesus Christ. So that was his game plan. He knew by approaching the woman and flip-flopping the kingdom of God that he would automatically have ownership. So, you know, this is why it says every woman should have a covering. You know, this is why Paul told a lot of the women, you know, learn in silence in the church. Not that women can't speak in the church. You guys teach in here and do other things. But there needs to be a covering. Juanita Bynum, Joyce Meyer, all those women, they're out of line. All right, you can't have your own ministry. There's no such thing as a woman's ministry. There's only Christ. And we all have to be converted or changed into the image of Christ, male or female. Okay, so this is just the order that the Lord calls us for. Mm -hmm. And if any women have their tuning fork going on, repent. All right, I'm not saying this. This is the Lord. This is the order. So it would be like a woman being shaven with her head uncovered. Verse 6. For if the woman be not covered, let also let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Because in other words, if you're going out spiritually, it'll be like being naked and bald. All right? You know, and if that's what you want, then you might as well. Because that's what you are in the eyes of God when you're not under proper headship. Excuse me. Uh, verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. For as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. I know a lot of women have trouble with this, but understand what's being said here. Man was made in the glory and the image of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. You look in any relationship, you look at any woman, and I can tell you what kind of man she's got. Women, although they call themselves independent and, you know, I don't need a man for this and that, they always dress according to the culture. If they know this is a whoremonger culture, you'll find women with their skirts up to their tonsils, walking around in the streets, trying to be seen, trying to be recognized, which tells you that they're still conforming to the image of a, of a society of men. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even when uh, you have two lesbians, one of them always has to play the man. Why is that? If it's all about gender specificity, then why isn't it that the woman themselves, why can't it just be two women? Why you got to be a nasty, burly dyke, you know, no deodorant to try and prove you're a man, you know, you, and you got to change your voice. What is all that about? That's because you know 
even for a homosexual relationship, that God's order is right. And that's why he placed the man where he did and the woman. Why do they take on the same thing, even though they choose to obey Christ? I mean, to, to disobey. All right, well, I got to be the man in this. That's the only way it's going to work. Because you know the order is right. Repent, get your life together, come to Christ, and be in God's proper order. All right, so it says, verse 8, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. So the woman came out of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. See, I know these are hard words, but, it, you know, this is, this is what he says. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. This is just what we were talking about. She has to be under proper authority and headship. If she's not then, you know, she's outside of the protection of God's authority. And if, she's, if we women are outside of the protection of the authority, it's easier for the attacks to come in. Yeah, Eve, where was Adam when the serpent was talking to her? Because if Adam was there, remember the Bible says Adam wasn't deceived, Eve was. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole thing is, where was Adam? Now, if he stood there and watched, then he's wrong. Because he should have stepped up, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'll deal with this. Eve, go... You know, whatever, I'm going to deal with this guy. But see, sir, Satan knew I'm not going to Adam because Adam would have checked him. Adam would have said, you know what, that's a good question. Well, my Lord will be here soon. Why don't you see what he's got to say? So he said, no, I'm going to go in through the back door like a slithery serpent. The same way the Jezebel spirit dominates in the world today. They'll always sit around with the husband and wife and they, ha oh, ha, you guys are such a lovely couple. Husband goes off to work. Girl, I don't even know why you... Why you always do what he tell you to do and this and that? I mean, we're independent women. You know, this is how this is how the Jezebel spirit gets in. Oh, no, we're just having a woman's ministry. So what happens to get out of male authority or headship? Yes. And what do they do? Go there and talk. My husband, he's a, yeah, because, I mean, he didn't want to do this the other day. And it's, no, man. You know, there are no set whatevers. It's only Christ. Right. Being conscious of Christ, falling under that order. Any woman pastor... That strange fire coming from the pulpit. She's out of order. Mm -hmm. And it's just that simple. You can't be a poison. You can't be a patter. All right? He's supposed to be a father as a pastor. Not, you know, you can't be a father if you're a woman. Everybody knows that. All right, sorry to rant and rave, but this stuff is, you know, verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. So what is the Lord calling for? Unity. Okay, you got to be together. He's not complete without her. She's not complete without him. It's the union that God puts together. <sighs> uh, verse 12. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but all things of God. All right. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if the woman have long hair, it is the glory of her. For her hair is given her for a covering. You know, but uh, if any man seem to be contentious, uh, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So you see that anything that's not in the order of God is outside of the order of God. It's that simple. Some people would say, well, I know men in churches that have long hair. 
A real man in church ain't going to have long hair. So he's not in the church of God. The Bible says it's a shame, but it's a covering to a woman. Why do you think they're pushing the long hair thing for men today? Why do you think, like, even in sports, you got this guy in the um, New York Mets, uh, pitcher, Thor. You know, Noah Syndergaard, hair draped down. You got football players with curls draped out of their, out of their helmets. So what are they doing to society? They're matronizing it. They pastures with long hair. Exactly. Long jerry curl hanging all the way down. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the Lord is against this. So why do you think Satan's pushing for it? Because he knows that God, that's not under proper headship. So the God wants men to be men and women to be women. All right. So um, I'll go to one more spot and I'll leave this subject alone. But um, let's go to 1 Timothy 2 and 8. I oh, know, I'm made. Watch me get messages. You're a chauvinist. <laughs> Tell people, if they don't like what I said, then, hey, take it up with the Lord, because I'm reading scripture. If it were the order that the Lord said the woman is above the man, I'd have no problem with it. I know some of them say, well, yeah, that's because it hasn't happened to you. But if that's his order, that's his order. Like me, I can't be a pastor unless I'm married. That's just God's rules. Why would I be offended by that? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it don't make no difference. That was in Paul's day. But I believe the Lord will take any man and make him a pastor. Not if you don't meet the requirements. You cannot call yourself one. You may have pastoral character. You may, have, you may take on the role of a pastor outside of the title. No one's going to deny that. But to be called a pastor, you have to fall into proper headship. All right, um, Second Timothy, well, First Timothy two and eight. I will therefore that men pray uh, everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner, also that woman adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefaced shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. So the woman should be in modest apparel, like in other words, things that wouldn't tempt men. You know, not trying to be all this and that, but, you know, not allowing men to lust because of the fact that, you know, you're undressed walking the streets. Mm -hmm. Verse 10, but which uh, becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence in all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Those are the rules, and God made them, and he will never take them back. All right? This is the order. Anything outside of that? Strange fire. First Timothy chapter 3, right next door. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop is like a pastor. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. See, it makes that clear. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, nor striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, nor covetous. 
one that ruleth well his own house, and having his children in subjection, subjection in all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, let he, lest he be lifted up with pride and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, so this is telling you, a man of God should have a good report. You cannot call yourself a pastor unless you are married. That makes it very clear that this is what is necessary. The person cannot be a novice. They can't be people without experience. They can't be people that have never done these things. Why? Because the moment they do, they get puffed up in pride and the devil says, yeah, I'll take it from here. You know, because now that you're out there, you know, you change your name from Derek to Billy Wonders, you know, and then you go out and you teach the people, you know, you're all in yourself then, you're not following the Lord. All right, I think I can get off the women pastors thing. I don't think I have to go any further with that. They like to bring up Deborah and judges, but I tell people Deborah herself knew that the honor was supposed to go to Barak. Okay, Barak um, denied it out of his fear, so the Lord gave it to Deborah. But it wasn't because of um, Deborah herself wanting it. She even told him, I hope you know, you're giving your honor to a woman. So they like to bring up Anna the prophetess and Phoebe and all of them. Yeah, they were prophetess. You know, we went over the order. Women can have the office of a prophetess. She can also be a teacher. She can also be an evangelist. She cannot be a pastor and she cannot be a, um, a, an apostle. Those offices are given by men. So it's not the Lord trying to take anything down. He's just putting everything in their rightful place. All right, we'll move on. This one is going to be a good one. We're going into holidays in the church. So uh, let's go to Colossians 2. Chairs in the bathrooms. All right. Colossians 2, we'll start at verse 8. You got it? Your eyes were in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just joking, Sarah. Uh, Colossians 2, we're going to. start at verse 8. We're going into holidays. This is the third one. First was contemporary music, then we were in um, women pastors. You know, and this whole thing is about strange fire. This is not about picking on anybody. Now we're into holidays in the church. This is Colossians 2. We'll start at verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So that makes very clear that men's traditions don't always have to be those traditions of God. Okay, they can be world traditions. That's why it says, after the rudiments of the world. 
like we read earlier about having the understanding of what the will of God is. All right, so it says in um, verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, talking of Christ, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision, made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So what is it talking about? Circumcision of the heart. You know, um, without hands, like being remade in Christ, being sanctified, being cleansed. Remember in Jeremiah 31, 31, they said one day that the word of God would be written in our hearts and not on stone tablets. So the stony heart has to be changed to be for the circumcision, which is cutting around the heart to take place. So it says in verse um, 12, buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins uh, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, uh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So this is being born again, being like Christ, being of the Spirit, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which they're talking about the law, Moses's law, uh, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So he didn't take the stone tablets, obviously, to the cross. He took the nature of Adam, the nature of Cain, the nature of the world. He took to the cross with him, all right, to, to kill in order for us to have eternal life. Uh, where am I? Uh, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them, openly triumphing over them uh, in it. Okay, so he, you know, he took it over. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, uh, which, uh, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So will there be one day in the kingdom of God, maybe Sabbath days or something, or rest days? You know, possibly it says a shadow of things to come. But as for right now, the body is of Christ. Mm -hmm. So when it says, let no man, because churches love to use this, uh, judge you in meat or in drink or respective in holy day, he's talking about holy days. Okay, he's not talking about holidays, which come from the, you know, Babylonian system in the Catholic Church. So... These are the seven annual sacred feasts of the Old Covenant. They were also talking about if anybody tries to tell you, hey, man, you need to observe the Sabbath. You know, the Bible says that you don't have to do that. Let no man judge you according to that. You know, let every man, like we'll read in Romans 14, be convinced in his heart as far as what days you want to worship the Lord. Okay, it really should be every day. So that's why we can't be held back to the little... 48-hour period they used to have for the Sabbath, or 24-hour period. These are the seven annual feast days. I'm not telling anybody to follow them, but they're saying, don't let anyone judge you according to these. This is the Passover. You know, this is the Passover feast. Uh, you read it in um, Exodus 12 and 1, um, Leviticus 23, Numbers 9. You know, this is, um, it usually occurs on March 14th until April. So these are just, you know, this is one feast. 
The second is that of unleavened bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's another feast. All right. There were the, there was the Day of First Fruits, which was Yom um, Hibikarim or whatever. But that's, um, you know, the Day of First Fruits. That's another feast. Then there is uh, the, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, you know, which is another feast. Then there is the Feast of Trumpets, which is Rosh Hashanah. You know, that's another feast. And then there is the Day of Atonement. And then there is the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. So these are the only feasts that the children of Israel were worshiping and, and, and doing. This is what it meant by holy days. They're not speaking of the holidays that, you know, the world's got people following. Mm -hmm. Jehovah Witnesses, I don't agree with their doctrine, but I will say that they, um, they are correct in terms of not following pagan holidays. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that I will agree with them on that they say that is the truth. Why? Because when we get through this, we're going to recognize that these holidays were not days, you know, that um, they worshiped God, but they worshiped their, their um, pagan deities. Okay, so we're going to get started. Let's go into Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah 10 and verse 1. You know, because this that's why I'm glad I read these earlier scriptures, because this all goes back to what the Lord wants, what he's calling for. But, you know, you try to have people depart with their holidays, man, people will kill you over this. <laughs> they love this stuff. Man, what are you talking about? They'll tell you, my family, we've always made hot cocoa and had everything else, and you're not going to destroy anything. But we are going to have this stuff up what these days actually mean. It's uh, Jeremiah 10, verse 1. And all of these holidays have um, ancient pagan names that go back well before. They go back to the biblical days. These guys were doing this stuff. Right. All right. Jeremiah 10 and verse 1, it says, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Oh, you know, son of no body of Christ, whatever, right? Same thing. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. What are the signs of the heaven? People that get into astrology and reading all this stuff in the skies and trying to draw their strength from stars and, you know, all this other stuff. This is the heathen, you know, they're into that stuff. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now, if this isn't a Christmas tree, I would love for anybody to tell me, you know, what it is. And if Jesus is not the God of this world and Satan is, why is Christmas so popular in this world? You think about that. Why is it the one day they'll say it's the birth of Christ and everybody shop and buy gifts for others and 
What does the birth of Jesus have to do with giving to other people? They'll tell you it was the story of the three wise men, and they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That was about Jesus being a king, being a priest, and his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, that's the only reason that he was given gifts. He was given the gold because the gold itself is what is like a gift for a king, something due for a king. Then you have the frankincense, which is a type of incense, which would be for praise, which is kind of like priest. Jesus was also priest. And then it was the myrrh, which is what you would embalm dead people with, like, you know, with a better smell mm -hmm. than that, which is um, death, burial, and resurrection. So that was the only reason for the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's what it, uh, that's what it stood for. But there's nothing wrong with giving gifts. But the thing is, is that you got to understand on these days from December 21st to the 26th, that's considered the Yule period. It is celebrating Tammuz, which is Nimrod. It's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It's about the sun God, not the son of God. But if anybody wants to worship and do that themselves, hey, you're free to do it. It's between them and the Lord. I'm just telling people straight up. I mean, me, of course I give my family gifts. I'll, my, my day for giving them is like the 15th or 16th. Here you go, guys, but I'm not going to be involved in the festivities or whatever. You know, I'm not telling anyone they can do what they want, but this is the worshiping of Tammuz, which we're going to go into. See, the Catholic Church knew who they were worshiping when they came with Christmas. All right? It's worshiping the sun god, not the son of God. All right? They're, they're worshiping Nimrod. And we're going to... um read a little into that, but we're going to go a little further. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah. seems like Jeremiah covered all these holidays. But let's go to Jeremiah uh, 7. But see, there's nothing new under the sun. This stuff went on. If people hate Jesus so much, why do atheists celebrate Christmas? You don't even believe in Jesus. And then you then you tell people, you got to get into the Christmas spirit. Oh, I thought it was the spirit of God. I thought it was the spirit of Jesus. But they tell you, get into the Christmas spirit. Now, you can have an evil boss, but he's nice to you on this day, you know, giving you things. And I mean, there is a bigger lure with Christmas. You can totally feel there's a spirit there. I'm not saying a spirit of God, but there's a spirit there. Well, you know, you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get your presents, and, you know, you just run down there, and you see the little train track rolling around, and you just, oh, man, every day should be Christmas, you know? But it's really all about you. Very few people even talk about God, and I know churches try and promote this to make money, but they'll never read this to you. Mm -hmm. Well, we just read, but it's pagan. A lot of what these churches are taking today come out of what the Catholic Church is. That's why it's called the Mother Harlot. Mystery Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots. Because all these false churches and these systems come out of the pagan system. Mm -hmm. all right, uh, Jeremiah 7. Well, this is going to rock people's world, but hey, don't listen to me. I'm just telling you, hey, I don't do it. I'm telling you the origins of these holidays, they have nothing to do with God. Right. Not one of them, not even Easter. We're going to cover that right now. Uh, Jeremiah 7 and 18. It says, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women ned their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings 
unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. Uh, do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves uh, to the confusion of their faces, of their own faces? Okay, quick points. When you see where it says make cakes and knead their dough, that word for cake is kavan. That's the word in Hebrew, K-A-V-A-N. Those cakes were what you'd be considered today, hot cross buns. Now, I wish your mom would hear because she'd know all about them. But they would always um, make those for Easter. And it would always be, um, you've seen those buns with the little cross in them. Like they look like you put butter in them and stuff. Well, we'll have the pictures up on the slideshows. But that's what a kavan is. Those are hot cross buns. And it says, to the queen of heaven. Do you know the queen of heaven is the title they give Mary in the church? But really, it's Semiramis, which is the mother of Nimrod. It's also the name for Easter. Ishtar, that's, the, that's who we're really worshiping for Easter. It's um, Nimrod's mother, this so-called queen of heaven. Okay, that's the whole thing about Easter. It's got nothing to do with God. This is a pagan ritual. Um, in the Bible, she was named Ashtoreth. It was also the name um, Diana, you might find in the book of Acts. Uh, the name of Venus, which they claim one of our planets is named by. Um, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Um, Isis, where the Muslims are doing their thing, that was another name for this so-called Queen of Heaven. And we're going to cover a false religion come um, Tuesday, where we're going to cover this stuff and why this is so important. Also, what the Muslims get into when they have, they kiss that Kaaba stone, you know, they go around in Mecca, they kiss that stone. That stone represents Bel, Baal Peor, which is the Lord of the opening. What they're really kissing is a vagina. Okay, I hate to get graphic, but that's what they're kissing. You guys look up that stone. There's a black stone in the middle, but that's the worship of the fertility goddess. This is why they make eggs for Easter. All right, this is why you go Easter egg hunting and do all of that. Bunnies don't lay eggs. So what is this whole thing about? Painting of eggs. Look up the pagan origins of Easter. You're going to find that they didn't paint eggs with anything other than menstrual blood. You want to talk about a nasty practice and stuff that they were doing? Man, all of these holidays have occult pagan rituals. They also do blood sacrifice on these days. You know, um, all these days, I mean, they, they kill, they sacrifice children and do all sorts of stuff. Why? Because on these specific days, they give power to the devil and gain power themselves. All right, um, we'll move on. You guys are like, I don't even want to go any further. Like, what's he going to talk about next? But um, that's the whole origin behind Easter, the Queen of Heaven. This is Semiramis. We're going to cover a lot of stuff. Doesn't she look like the Statue of Liberty? Well, yeah, you see, Mother Liberty. All this stuff, man, they know that we don't know about, so they'll just... They put stuff in your face and have you like, oh, man, that's the Statue of Liberty. Not even recognizing you're worshiping something pagan. Yep. All right, we'll move on. And we're going to have information for this because no one's going to call me crazy. I mean, at least not without the truth. Let's go to Jeremiah 44 and 17. But whenever you hear this Queen of Heaven, be skeptical because this is what they're talking about. They just said, like the mother of Jesus. That's what they call Mary. Oh, she's the queen of heaven. She's the mother of Jesus. We've got to give her respect. You show me one place in this Bible where it says to worship Mary. 
Mary herself was in need of a savior. And, and even when they told Jesus, well, your mother Mary is over there. You know, they said, no, bless the paps that you have sucked. Excuse me. That's what they said. And Jesus said, um, you know, nay, rather regard that your names are written in the book of life or in heaven. So Jesus was never for Mary worship. They attempted it back then. You guys think I'm kidding? We're going to go into that, but uh, I'm not even there. Jeremiah 44 and 17. It says, But we will certainly do uh, whatsoever thing uh, goeth forth out of, out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. That's important, but we will certainly do whatsoever goeth forth out of our own mouth. So they're not doing what the Lord is saying to do here. This is obviously a cult. Mm -hmm. So it says, um, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes, remember the whole world is into Easter in the cities of Judah and in the cities of Jerusalem. For then had uh, we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. So they did all this stuff and they saw no evil. Just like these churches and things that you see today. Verse um, 18. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. Why? God is not in that. He's not going to bless a nation that is following occult pagan things. 19. And, and when we burnt incense to the queen of heaven, it's saying it repeatedly, and, burnt, and poured out drink offerings unto her, uh, did we make her cakes to worship her, not to worship the Lord, and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men, without the men, then Jeremiah said unto all the people, uh, to the men and to the women, and to all the people which had given him that answer, saying, The incense that ye burn in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings and your princes, and the people of the land did not the Lord remind, I mean, remember them, and came in, I mean, and came it not into his mind. So, you know, these are the people that were doing these things, not of the Lord. Verse 22, so that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because the, of the abominations which he have committed. Therefore is your land a desolate and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as at this day. So what is the Lord saying? You, you involved in this stuff? You know, uh, hey, this is an abomination. I've got nothing to do with this. Look at America. Look at the church. And then you wonder why the Holy Ghost ain't pouring out all over the place. Because God is not invited into this sort of thing. People have another God. Um, verse 23. Because ye have burned incense and because ye have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his law, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies. Therefore, this evil is happened unto you as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people and to all the women, 
Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah that are in the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. So Jeremiah is speaking under the inspiration of God. Uh, the God of Israel saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hand, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, uh, all Judah, uh, that dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall be no more named in the mouths of any man of Judah and all the land of I in Egypt, saying, The Lord God liveth. So the Lord has taken his name off of things that are associated with stuff to do with other gods. God is not involved in this. Now you tell people, they say, well, can't we just Christianize it? The Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? If it had a wicked beginning, it'll have a wicked ending. It wasn't made for God. Now, if it was made for God, and then pagans took it over, yeah, well, it came from the root of God. It can be brought back to holiness. But it never came from God. This stuff was from pagan practices, worshiping false gods. So is Easter a cult? Is it of God? Absolutely not. And there's nothing here in the Bible that says that it can be. Let's go to Acts 19. Um, Acts 19. People get mad when you say this, but it's like, hey, man, check that spirit. You know, it's all about what the Lord wanted. Now, did it bother me when I first heard this? Oh, yeah. You know, because I was like, man, really? Like, you sure they're talking about this one? And on top of that, when you try and show, like, certain family members, like, man, this is what the Bible really says about it. And they're like, well, I, I don't know if that's really true. Like, because yeah. they're after the traditions of men, yeah. after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll start at verse 34. Uh, Acts 19 and 34, and it says, But when they knew that he was a Jew, uh, all with one voice about a space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. If you look up the name Diana, you'll see it right there. It'll be Artemis, Semiramis, Diana, Venus, Mary, all these other names. All right, so they're calling out Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not uh, how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image with fe which fell down from Jupiter? Otherwise, Jupiter was a planet here. That's another study. But these people are falling unto these things that have nothing to do with God. All right. And the Bible has been dealing with this all the time. Now, when they talk about the image that fell from Jupiter, the rumor for Easter is, or Semiramis or any of them, that there was a literal egg that fell into the water um, that she was praying over or something, this, this Diana. And uh, out of this egg came Tammuz, like he was sent from heaven or whatever like that. So they're talking about this image that fell down. Now, Tammuz was supposed to be... Uh, um, a hunter, 
all right? He hunted or whatever, and he was killed by a wild boar. So for Ishtar, Easter's day, they eat the pig to take revenge for what happened to Tammuz. This is where the Easter pig comes from, the Easter ham. All right, I'm not telling people don't eat ham. That's not the point I'm making. You know, the point is, is that all this stuff has pagan origins, every single bit of it. The Jehovah Witnesses are correct in this. They're wrong about so many other things, but they are absolutely right concerning these pagan names. They all have old names. Um, Easter was called Ishtar, you know, or Easter. Uh, this is, um, Christmas would be called Yule. Uh, Halloween has a name, Samhain, which is the most wicked satanic day where they really sacrifice and have sexual orgies and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So see, if we're celebrating these days, we're helping to give power to the enemy you know, because we're partaking, even in our ignorance, we're partaking and helping them out. Because, you know, they may have the festivities here in town, but man, you go on the outskirts of, um, what is that area in Washington, that American Stonehenge? Mm -hmm. You guys ever seen it or whatever? But it's like an old Stonehenge. Man, they do all kinds of occult wicked stuff. Over here in Damascus, they have this temple of this queen of heaven that they do. It's over in Damascus. Uh, Gabe show be at once, but they got people in black hoods and robes, man, out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, with Christmas, the name they had before that was Saturnalia. Saturnalia from the Romans, and which goes all the way back. Yeah, go ahead. Worshiping Saturn, and it was like the you know they still have the winter solstice now, but that's that's where the winter solstice origins come, where they would offer you know, so many months of offerings during, like, the summertime. That way the winter would come or they'd do something like that. But, yeah, that was, and that's where they would have, like, they would sacrifice and do all sorts of weird stuff during mm -hmm. Saturnalia as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Ezekiel 8. But, you know, the many names of this Semiramis, which is the mother and wife of Nimrod, that's how disgusting this union is. That's why you always see, like, in the Catholic Church, you'll see Mary holding Jesus that's not Jesus or Mary. The Catholic Church knew in order to get people to worship, they had to call it that. But their roots go way back. All right, so it says Semiramis um, is one name. Um, let's see. Fortuna is a name. Uh, Aphrodite. You guys have heard that name in um, occult circles. Ezekiel 8. It has Astaroth here, Astarte, all these names, Venus, Isis, Diana. I mean, it's all the same stuff. In China, the name is Xingmu. You know, there's a lot of different stuff that they have. But, see, when they say the devil rules the world, he rules the world. I'm going to put this stuff up on the site because we don't really have time to read all of this. But this is... Uh, you know, even the whole Mary prophecy here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this real quick. You guys can stay in Ezekiel 8. It says, Mary fulfills the mother goddess syndrome. Uh, it says, the logical person to replace the great mother of paganism was Mary, the mother of Jesus. It mattered not to pagan Rome whether they worshipped the goddess mother or her child under the Egyptian names of Isis and Horus 
or of Babylonian names, Semiramis and Tammuz, or of Roman names of Venus and Jupiter, or under the names of the Virgin Mary and the Christ child. Either way, it was the same old idol of religion of Baal, Baal Mass. Uh, the cult of the mother goddess entered the Christian church, and it was a long and confusing process until Mary was declared to be the mother of God. This is a principle which Christianity inherited from its pagan forerunners. Um, let's see. I don't want to read this. I'll just leave it for now. I'll just put it up because we're you know running short on time. But uh, Ezekiel 8. This will tell you that the same things that they practiced then, they're working on right now. They're still doing. There's nothing new. I mean, I've told my family about it or whatever. You know, what they tend to do is up to them, but I'm just letting them know, hey, guys, you know, it ain't cool. Ezekiel 8 and 1, and it says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, uh, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. So Ezekiel's being shown an image, I mean, by the Lord. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as an appearance of fire from the appearance of his loins, even downward fire from his loins, even upward as the appearance of brightness as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of an hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the spirit lifted me up above the earth and the heaven is um, and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate uh, that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked uh, the jealousy. All right, so Ezekiel was taken by his lock. That doesn't mean he had dreadlocks. It means a lock. A lock can be, you know, whatever. But he's being shown by the Lord the disobedience going on in Jerusalem. All right, so he said there was an image of jealousy there, which meant it was probably a pagan god. But we're going to go further and, and see exactly what that was. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes and uh, my eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So this is in the sanctuary, the wicked abominations. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing, uh, an abominable beast, and all of the idols of the house of Israel portrayed uh, upon the the wall around about. 
I believe that this is a, a type of astrology. I believe that this is what they saw when they talked about the creeping things and the beast and the, the idols. I believe that they were speaking of like that whole Zodiac thing. Mm -hmm. And there stood before um, them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jezaniah, the son of Shephan, uh, with every man his censer in his hand. And a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in his chambers of his imaginary. Uh, for they say, The Lord seeth us not. Uh, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. He said unto me, uh, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than they do. So it's getting worse and worse. And look at what's at the end of this abomination in verse 14. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Now, Tammuz, we already described as Nimrod. You know, he's um, Osiris. He's Horus. When you look at the eye on the back of the dollar bill, that eye, that's the eye of Horus, which is the eye of Satan. But Tammuz is the sun god who they worship for Christmas. This is who Tammuz is. He's the sun god. Okay, so anytime you worship that, you're worshiping him. And the Lord is calling them abominations. Like I said, to each his own. I'm not telling people what to do. I'm giving you the origins of where this stuff comes from. People can judge for themselves. Uh, Mark 7 and 1. And we'll move on. I just want to make this one quick point that Jesus makes. And we'll move on. Mark 7 and 1. All right. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. And it says, Then came together unto him this, the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off, eat not holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many others, Many other things um, there be, uh, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, uh, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why not, why walk not these, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, well, as Isaiah prophesied uh, of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the uh, washing of pots and cups, and many other such like uh, things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well and reject the commandment of God, that ye 
that ye may keep your own tradition. So what do you see in a lot of this stuff? People reject the commandments of God to keep their own traditions. And he said unto them full well, oh, I read that, uh, verse 10. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die with death. But I say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is a gift, uh, that is to say a gift, but whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, uh, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, uh, which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. So this is making a distinction here between God, what he wants, you know, and of course the, the Pharisees were hypocrites, so he's talking about the traditions of Moses, but should not the traditions of people, of pagans, that have nothing to do with God be any different from a worldly or other tradition outside of God. First Corinthians chapter ten and nineteen. We'll have one like three verses and we'll be done. Anybody know what time it is? This is just for flash. I don't even know what time it is here. <laughs> like First Corinthians ten and nineteen. Right, first Corinthians ten and nineteen and it says, What say I then that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything, like no big deal. But I say that the things which are which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and of the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Or are we stronger than he? Now, remember, they said there was an image of jealousy in that temple. Well, the Lord is here saying, you know, you want to provoke him to jealousy? Are you strong enough to take the Lord on? You know, you're not. But it talks about you can't be a partaker of the cup of devils and the cup of Christ. It also says the Gentiles, everything that they sacrifice is to devils. It's not to God. So when they talk about holidays, holidays, not, those are not the holy days of God. I'm not saying you got to worship either. The point I'm making is have your focus on Jesus Christ and know who he is. But these people are worshiping their own gods. All right, last and final one. This is called the all-inclusive gospel. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. What time is it? People will say God loves everybody, no matter what they do, no matter how they are. We're all Christians, and the Lord accepts all. So let's see. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. You there? Oh, all right. And it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, another name for Satan? Or what part hath he with believers that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is kind of like a dog, but it's really speaking of an unbeliever here. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty God. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about Tuesday, not wanting God's instruction. You're a bastard, you know, because if you're sons and daughters of me, I have a standard for you, you know, to follow. So the Lord, if he tells you not to touch the unclean thing, then we need to come up higher in him. So, you know, anybody saying that they believe, now it's one thing to say, I believe the Lord, I have problems in my life working out sins, then that's one thing, mm -hmm. you know, because then the Lord says, okay, you're admitting you need help. You're not perfect, but I'm going to help you get through this. But you're admitting you sin, but you're trying to come to the truth, you know. But when you say you're okay, I'm good, I'm a Christian. All, right, all I know is I'm a Christian and God will love me and I don't have to change a thing. This here is saying otherwise. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. We're all close by. And Jesus even said, man, the gate is narrow. The way is narrow. And um, Matthew 7 and 13. So, you know, it can't be a whole ton of Christians and going to heaven. That means you rarely meet them. That's how serious this thing is. That's true. All right. First um, Corinthians 6 and 9, and it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous uh, shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can't be more clear than that. Mm -hmm. And it talks about even an effeminate man God never made. God meant for men to be men, not to act like women. This doesn't mean homosexual. This just means like soft, sensitive in nature. God meant for men to be men. Mm -hmm. You can't find one wimp of God in this Bible. All right, so it says in 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So you were once this, but you've been washed, you've been cleaned. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So Paul was saying like, even though some of these things are okay, when he's talking about the laws of God, there are things that the Lord will allow that are okay. But he says, I'm not under the power of any of them. Like, in other words, I can stop doing things if I need to. It's not like I'm subject to them and trying to follow him. I don't know if that makes sense or not. He's talking about as far as meats and, you know, stuff like that that you eat. He's not talking about holidays or anything. 
but he's saying the things that are lawful unto God, but I'm not a glutton. Just because I can eat this don't mean that, you know, it's got power over me. All right, so it says in 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both uh, it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and uh, the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us uh, by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take them and make them members? Shall I then take them members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. So we got to be careful what we join ourselves to. Because, you know, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So, you know, all the other sins are outside of the body. But when you commit fornication, you're breaking down the temple. You know, other things may be outward, like you yelling at somebody or whatever. But once you sin in fornication, you corrupt you. You're hurting up the temple. All right, uh, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? For uh, ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So if we're talking about having the right type of offering toward the Lord, we want to be in one, the right spirit, two, in truth. Why? Because this is how you make sacrifices in the temple of God. Giving God the things that God will accept, you know, of his spirit. So, you know, that's just one thing. Um, I'll go one other verse and we should be able to conclude. Second uh, Corinthians 11, since we're here. You know, we've read over this before. But we have to know why all these things are accepted and why they're preaching all-inclusive gospel. Why you got women pastors, why you got these pagan things in the church is because the devil is trying to put together, like the book of Revelation says, one world order and one world religion. If everybody's religion is mixed up and no one is following the one true God, it'll be easy to all join together. Why do you think if Catholics and Buddhists, they could really hang out if you want the truth? Why? Because they both have the rosary beads. They get into all this other stuff. They're into pagan practices. I am too. So we can pretty much be friends. Islam and Catholicism. Catholicism started Islam. All right, look up the history in that. So all these things come together. So why are they trying to corrupt the church of God? To get everyone on one accord. Because once you're already doing pagan stuff, what difference does it make? We may as well all join in together. So that's why he's doing this. He's trying to get the world of one mind. Everybody believing the same. This is the only reason for Christian rap. It's not because for your entertainment. It's so you can put together the church mind and the world mind and get them stirred up together. And that's why the Bible says in Revelation, these have one mind and they all give their power unto the beast. Why? Because 
Anything that is outside of God is of the world, and they come together in a whole. In Genesis 11, when they built the Tower of Babel, they were one mind against God. They weren't one mind with God. They were building that tower, which, you know, they call it a tower of confusion. It was a gate to God. Many believe that it was supposed to break the veil that's there and go right into the heavens. Nimrod's plan was to go up there, kill God. I don't know how you do that. But the plan was to kill God and to take over. The Tower of Babel wasn't just a monument. The word Bob means gate. The word El means God. It was a gate to God. They said that its top may reach into heaven. God confounded the tongues, confused the tongues, and they, they weren't able to build because they didn't understand. The book of Jasher tells you when they would say, okay, put it in place, someone would let it go, and then they would be killing people trying to build this thing because they didn't understand. So that's where the 70 original languages came from, was to separate that global hive mind. This is why they're putting the bathrooms together. This is why all this stuff's happening, because if they get everyone on one mind, if they get everybody covered from head to toe in tattoos, what's a little chip, little mark of the bees going to do? You're already, like, you know, earlobes. I mean, you're already... What's the word? Mangled, you know? You don't even look human anymore. You're covered from head to toe. So if they come with a mark, of course you'll take it. Because you no longer even look like what God made. And I'm not saying those people can't be saved. They can, but we got to recognize the, the purpose behind this. Because he knows that this stuff hurts God. Second Corinthians 11 and 1, and it says, Would to God that ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. We've heard this. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So this is why the Lord is pulling us out. He wants us to be espoused to one God, being of that spirit. Then he says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, um, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is how you get a global mind. You know, break away from the simplicity in Christ. Get your mind scattered, worshiping everything else. And before you know it, you're just like the person you're supposed to be fighting against. Okay, so the serpent beguiled Eve. This is the same spirit that's beguiling the world. Oh, man, go ahead and do it. God won't mind. And little by little, there comes the corruption. To the point where you're way off track. Yeah, Christine. I really like the, it says, um, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Mm -hmm. We are going over a Derek Prince's uh, medicine bottle thing last night. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about how uh, he, Derek Prince, really said, we need to focus on the word and the simplicity of what it says. Don't corrupt what the word of Christ says mm -hmm. and go outside of it. But really just um, have an ear for... Um, what the actual scripture is saying. Right. That it is simple. Totally. And I mean, and it, exactly. And that, that would be the way that a lot of people could get it because anytime you go outside of the word, you're going to get other stuff. All these cults are formed from extra biblical stuff. You know, other things that people come up with outside sources when, like Christina said, and Derek Prince says, all you got to do is read it properly. You know, now, I mean, Derek Prince, one thing, um, Gary Price said I agree with is that um, like with him and other people, every ministry seems to have some type of weakness. Like, for example, um, Schombach, 
he preached a lot about, you know, the power of the Lord and things like that. But there's certain things he wouldn't go into. You know, Burke Clendenin talked about a lot of stuff, you know, that he was, would, you know, that was against God and other things he wouldn't. One of Derek Prince's things was he never went against the Roman Empire. He never went against the Catholic Church. He never talked about that stuff. For whatever reasons, I don't know. But the point of the matter is, is that those were areas that he never went into. He would never expose them. So, you know, it's, it's good to have a lot of people's strengths, but you don't want any of their weaknesses. You want the Lord to expose, because I've been exposed to a lot of teachers myself. But one of the things the Lord did show me was, these are their strengths, but then there are certain weaknesses. This is why I could listen to groups like GOCC, look up the history and say, you know, they got some history here, but this is not the gospel. You know, so the Lord will turn your mind from that. Sometimes the Lord wants you to learn certain things, but he'll also tell you, uh-uh, I don't want you into this. I only wanted to show you this, okay? Because there's every ministry that has something right, and then there's other things that they don't go into, which is why some people move on and learn from other people, you know? But that's the way that it goes. You know, some will go into things, and they'll leave certain things out. That's why you want the Holy Ghost to teach you, because while you're sitting there even listening to great scholars and teachers like Derek Prince and other people, you're sitting there like you're learning everything that's said, but then it's like the Lord is like, well, let me show you this too. You always want to hear the voice of the Lord. I don't care who you're listening to, who you're talking to. I don't care if it's me up here or anybody. You want the full guidance of the Holy Ghost to tell you what is right and what is wrong, because all men... All men have error. The only one that does not is Jesus Christ. Yep. So we got to hearken unto him. But don't ever accept anything that I say or anyone else says is pure gospel. Look it up for yourself to see if it's true. Exactly. All right. And this is how people get corrupted from it. Remember what he said? A man's covering should be Christ. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times people will jump over into other stuff and, man, I don't have to look it up. I know their credentials. Sounds good to me. No, look it up, you know, because there's a lot of things I've heard from other pastors that was wrong, and they're flawless in so many other areas. Then you go into something else, and like I'll give you an example. Um, when Derek Prince said he believed that that white horse was Christ, you know, remember he said he's got to stay ahead of the other horses. I'm like, no, man, that's the Antichrist. But he said he was led to believe that Christ, that the horse of Christ and the four horsemen was supposed to stay ahead of the other horses to keep pace. Maybe he's changed his opinion. I love Derek Prince. I learn a lot from Derek Prince. The man has put up 60 plus years in the word of God, fluent in Greek, fluent in Hebrew, knows all these things. But what I'm saying is let the Holy Ghost lead you in all things so we don't end up offering strange fire. Verse 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So this is Paul telling you here, there's another Jesus, there's another gospel, and there's another spirit. What you want to do is follow the spirit of God, because man can lead you into error. I tell people, don't follow me, I'm just a man. I can make mistakes. There's times I listen to our teachings and I'm like, I meant to say this, 
So, you know, don't ever, you know, word for word, like, yeah, that's perfect. No. Whenever, when you guys listen to um, the guys you listen to, you have your Bibles out too, right? When what? Like Derek Prince or any of them? Yeah. Depends. You know, uh-huh. when I was reading one of his books, so I wasn't in my Bible out uh-huh. then, um, uh-huh. but he was going, I mean, he was providing scripture, but when I do watch it on YouTube, uh-huh. I'll have my Bible Yeah, because he does, one thing I love about Derek Prince, he has a lot of scripture uh-huh. in his books. I have quite a few of them, and I mean, I always, wait a minute, did he really say that? Well, you go back to the like scripture and you look. If he listened to some <laughs> of the stuff he said, he probably wouldn't have gotten away from what scripture says if he listened to the simplicity of the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. Then if he went back to the Bible and looked mm-hmm. it up himself, he probably wouldn't have got kind of... Right, and I mean, no no ministry is flawless, but Jesus Christ, or that spoken directly under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm not, this was not to bash Derek Prince. He was just an example. I love Derek Prince. He's a real man of God. Man, this guy's done all sorts of things in other countries. If I can only, you know, be like that, I mean, that'd be something. So don't, don't think that I'm trying to put him down. I'm just saying there's no man above Christ. Whenever someone says something, man, have your Bible out. Okay, let me see if this is true. Be a Berean. Be skeptical of everything. Why? We can't afford to get this wrong. The Bible tells us study ourselves to show ourselves approved unto God so we can rightly divide the word of truth. When watching people and listening to people should be only a guide, but really it should be all about the Bible. Totally. You know, because I know a lot of people will have a lot of um, stuff and they don't get into scripture. You know, I've seen Bible studies where they just watch videos. I don't know what Bible study that is or no Bibles in their laps. So you want to be, you know, always presented with the word of God. You always want to check everything with the word. I don't care what a scientist said. If it's not in here, you know, if it doesn't go along with what the Bible says as far as creation, then I'm I'm disagreeing with it. And, And the more you learn this word, the more you recognize that science is not so far out of God. God knows what he made. He knows what he meant. He'll tell you the creation of the earth, and scientists can verify those who are truthful. But you have others that will, you know, push you away from that. So a lot of people will bring science into being strange fire also. So let's go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll end from there. Also, a lot of people in church don't even pick up their Bibles. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you ain't lying. That's a fact. <laughs> I went to church many times without a Bible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me didn't too. didn't anything in it until mm-hmm. I started But see, that it. goes back to what we were talking about. Like, you just believe your pastor. Everything, he's entertaining, he's funny, he's a pastor, right? So it's like you wouldn't question a doctor for heart surgery. You, you wouldn't think to question a pastor, but, man, everything has to be checked. Mm-hmm. All right, First Timothy chapter 20. This is a warning from... Um, Yeah, uh, 6 and uh, 20, sorry, verse 20. It says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred, you know, concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So even the Bible even recognizes here that there are false scientists. You know, a lot of people, instead of giving you the word of God, they'll give you their philosophy. Those two don't qualify. The Bible we just read in Colossians 2 and 8, man, be aware of the philosophies of men. Because they they think that they're preaching the Bible, but they're really teaching like New Age garbage. You know, or some other stuff that they learned somewhere. 
So hopefully, you know, we have an understanding of what strange fire is because it's anything that God won't accept, anything he hasn't put his stamp on. If it didn't come from heaven, he will not accept it back into heaven. Jesus came from heaven. He was brought back into heaven. Adam was made of the image of God, Adam and Eve. That's what the Lord will accept, that original copy that he made that was Adam was the son of God, full of the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing the Lord is allowing back into heaven. And that's the only thing that we can offer the Lord is ourselves and our righteousness. That which is unrighteous, the Lord will make righteous. So he'll accept it, but he'll make it righteous and faultless and presentable and, and blameless, which is what he wants to do with the church. So as far as false, you know, strange fire, we have to avoid it at all costs. We have to stick with the scriptures, what the Lord tells us to do. Let every man be convinced in his own heart what he wants to do, you know, but I'm just telling people straight up, that was too close for comfort for me. Mm -hmm. Even if someone says, it's okay, uh, like, man, go on, worship Christmas, the Lord don't care. And they'll say Jeremiah 10 has nothing to do with Christmas, but that was a little too close for me, you know, to even play in that arena like that. Like I said, for me, around before the holidays, I may give gifts to family and things like that. Here, guys, you'll never get a Merry Christmas from me, you know, because it's always about Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. you know. But I'm always, you know, hey, you know, that's from Uncle Derek. That's from your son Derek, you know. This is from whomever. But, man, as far as the Christmas thing, you'll never see a tree up in here. Mm -hmm. I just don't play that, right? I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just saying for me, if they fought against it in Israel... I don't think the Lord would make an exception for us. So I've told, I guess, for my family and even certain friends that I have about holidays and you know what, it, how it goes against Scripture and how it goes against Jesus Christ. And even if they still worship the holidays, they have enough. I guess I wouldn't say respect, but they know enough about me to know that I don't worship it. So they don't they don't say Merry Christmas or anything right. like that because they know it's like well. If that's not what she worships, then we're not going to do that on her. Right. And I'm not talking like be utter religious. The Lord may right. tell you to go to a Christmas party to win people to Christ. Mm -hmm. He won't tell you to go there like, man, go on, enjoy yourself. I believe he will say, I want you to go. And if you say, well, Lord, I'm not going. You know, like, look, you're against this stuff. And then now you're disobeying God. So you want to obey the Holy Ghost. But in whatever you do, like Christina said, you know, and, and what Carlin was saying and whatever you do, mm -hmm. it's always about Jesus Christ. I don't care where you are. Even if you're in the operating room and you're a doctor, man, pray over that person before you operate on them. Man, forget what they tell you if you're really a Christian. Yeah. So it's always about Jesus Christ is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's not even about Christmas or any of that. But I do believe that those things do get in the way of God. I do believe when you put up a tree, you're building an idol. Okay, that's my opinion. You're putting an offering under the idol, you know, little gifts and things. So you're, you're kind of aligning it with God. I mean, if it has nothing to do with it, I don't care. When people told me about Christmas, I'm like, man, that's messed up. But it wasn't enough to, like, get mad at God over it or the person telling me. You know, it was just one of those things where I was just, well, Lord, if that's what you want. I wanted to be a pastor, and I'm still going to be. I'm probably at some point, but... When I learned that I could not be one because I'm not married, why am I getting mad over that? I mean, it's just, Lord, that's what you said. That's what a child would do. Why am I going to, well, that was a long time ago because, I mean, I'm a pastor. I, I went to college and I got my degree and 
I'm going to be called pastor, whatever. No, now you're, diso now you're disobeying the Lord. Yeah. So it's not about you and me. It's never about you and I. It's about Jesus Christ. Exactly. So, you know, whatever part someone believes they can, but one thing we cannot afford to do is offer strange fire. You heard what happened to those that did. He will only accept that which he says. All right, so if no one has anything to add, uh, we can pray out from here. So, yeah. um, one thing, uh, argument that probably people will get with like Christmas is, but doesn't God want you to give and be a cheerful giver? And I believe yes, but not when it's materialistic things. Mm -hmm. If it's giving from your heart and it's giving um, inspired by the Holy Ghost to help people, mm -hmm. um, I think that's more what it says. And that's what we're supposed to be doing 24-7. You know, so, I mean, it says like not to observe times and days. Those things are not supposed to be special. Are you a Christian or are you not? If it's in your nature, then what particular day is so special? And I like the way the Lord made it so that no one ever learned his real birthday. Because what would people do? If it was that important to Jesus, think about it. Man, they'd be putting up Jesus posters and all stuff everywhere for what? He, he made clear that no one would ever know his birthday because that's what people would do. You know, we got this thing for just worshiping. There's something about people that, you know, they see someone um, even like using a gift of the spirit. You heal the sick and people will flock under you like, man, this is from God. You know, show me your ways. And then, oh, man, it's about the Lord. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. But people have this thing that just worship whatever comes before them. That is a part of the carnal nature that needs to be broken. All right, so Sarah will pray out. I'm sure we won't get many views on this. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us. Lord, I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord. For you have taken care of every need and so much more. Lord, you have blessed us beyond measure. You've never left us wanting or without. And you have given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. And Lord, I'm asking and praying today that you will be upon this ministry. That you will guide us, that you will direct us, and that you will lead us, each and every one of us, Lord. That you will touch our lives. And I'm praying today, Lord, that whatever idols that we've placed in front of you, Lord, whether it be things of this world, Lord, whether it be certain holidays or certain doctrines, false doctrines, Lord, people, anything, Lord, that goes above you, anything, Lord, that's more important to us than you, Lord, we need to give those things to you so you can work in our lives, Lord, so you can clean us out, so we can get to that perfection process that we don't sin. Lord, so we can get through the maturing process, Lord, so we can have you grown in our lives, so we can be so filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we will go out and preach and teach your gospel, Lord, that we will be on fire for you, that we will bring forth your truth, Lord, to this world with the time that we have left, Lord, that we will show forth your power, your deutimus. Lord, we cannot just be hearers of the word only, but we have to be doers. Lord, I'm praying that you will come upon this ministry, that you will build us up, Lord, that we will draw our strength from you, that we will seek after godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Lord, each, let each and every one of us seek your calling upon our life within the body of Christ, Lord, because this is about bringing lost souls to you before the end is here. Lord, I believe that with all the, the fists and the hands that have been shaken at you, 
Lord, with all the demonic spirits that are in this country, Lord, that you are going to judge this nation soon. Lord, with everything that goes against your word, Lord, we have to be so built up in you. Lord, we have to live a prayer of fasting, a life of prayer and fasting, Lord. But we have to be willing to set, be set apart from this world system. Lord, and help us to understand that when we are so filled with your Holy Spirit and know that we are going to be enemies of this world. Lord, because you said that if the world hated you first, that it would hate us also because we are followers of you. But help us to understand, Lord, that this is Satan's kingdom. Lord, he is trying to destroy your church. Lord, there have been so many false gods and false religions <clears throat> allowed into the church today that it is so far gone. It has been so far removed. But Lord, we have to be set apart to see the things that your word says. And we have to transform our lives to your scripture. Lord, we have to be made in your image. So Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to see that the times that we are living in, Lord, we are living in perilous times. Lord, we are living in times that so goes against you. But help us, Lord, because you have pulled us out of the mire, Lord. You have pulled us out of the mud, and we can't afford to go back in it, Lord. We can't afford to go back into sin. Lord, let us stay focused on you and your will for our life. And I'm praying that you will set this fire on, on, you will set this ministry on fire, Lord, that you will set it ablaze, that we can have the gifts of, the gifts of faith in our life, Lord, that we can heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes and deaf ears, Lord, speak in new tongues, cast out demons. But Lord, we have to have the faith and the belief to go forward in you. Everything in this world, Lord, we have to be able to let it go. We have to be willing to take up our cross, Lord, and to follow you. Because nothing in this life is more important than our names be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, Lord, anything in our life today that is keeping us from going into heaven, anything in our life today, Lord, that is keeping us from following you, I'm praying, Lord, I'm praying that we will give it up that we will let it go. If it goes against your word, Lord, we cannot afford to go to hell. And I'm praying today, Lord, for our families. If there's anyone in our families today, Lord, that don't believe in you, I'm praying today, Lord, that you would touch their lives. Come upon them, Lord. Show them the errors of their ways that you can clean them up, that you are the only one, Lord, that can fill the void in our life. It is not money. Lord, it is not seeking on selfish praise. It is not what someone else has, Lord. It is by believing and trusting in you for all our, our needs. Each and every one of us in here today, whatever we are going through, Lord, let us give it to you. Because you're going to provide for us, Lord, what you want us to have. But I'm praying, Lord, that you help us. That you would give us the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom, Lord, to trust. To read your scriptures, Lord. Let us hunger and thirst after your word, Lord. Let us hunger and thirst after righteousness after holiness Lord be with us in this day guide and direct and lead us Lord into your truth let us take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy Lord fill us with your Holy Spirit build us up every day to bring lost souls to you I pray Lord that all manner of thought and conversation let it glorify the name of Jesus the name above all names let us sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs guard our minds Lord from the enemy that when he comes, he has nothing in us. Let us not be bound in our feelings and emotions, Lord. Let us give those things over to you that you rule, reign, king of our lives. 
thank you, Lord, again for all the things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.